Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was. I forgot that I didn't have, uh, what do you call that? Any way to play a disc on my computer until like before I was going to work last night. And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, I don't have a program for that. That power DVD doesn't work anymore? I'm on a completely different uh, uh, hard drive. I would have had to have reinstalled oh. it. That's right. I forgot you had issues. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh well. So I'm actually playing it on the TV. And uh, I was going to be awkward for the most of the time. Because I have to bend down and hunch over a stool. It kind of, it kind of, kind of feels like if there was a dude right here, I'd be sucking his dick. It's, it's literally at dick level. Are you recording, Mike? Please tell me you are. I'm recording. I, I'm fine. Yeah, I've got that. That's evidence. Welcome to the first ever dick level uh, commentary. I don't think that's the first. The, the, uh, all the microphones are at uh, dick level for other dudes. Uh, there are no other dudes in the room with us. We just that have to be aware. I might be surrounded by dudes. Well, hang on a second. <coughs> I'm, just, I'm just making sure there aren't any other dudes in my room. I mean, my room is very tiny, so... Well, that's well other, actually, than, other than the big. normal dudes that would be in your room. Yeah. So how many people are on this count? Just those three? Four? Yeah. Four. Okay. What are we talking just about four. again? Yeah. <sighs> Vagina. Star Trek Insurrection. Oh, oh shit! Jesus I gotta go Christ. get another. Uh, all right. Yeah, you kind of right. you gotta get the wrong one. You're ready now. Yep. And you're recording. Yep. All right. Are we gonna have any music or anything? Just go. We'll figure that out later. You'll figure it out because I'm not doing it. Uh, welcome to Geek Fight's last commentary of all time. Maybe it's the start. We didn't do a countdown to when to start. We haven't started the movie yet. I'm not going to do the countdown yet. This is the intro. This is well, a... I... Okay, fine. Well, then why, why, why did you stop talking? Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're doing Into Darkness. We are doing the anti-nitpickers commentary-ish on uh, Into Darkness because most people out there, if you look at the media and have looked up Into Darkness, apparently all the fans hate it. But you know what? It's actually about... Five to ten percent of fans hate it, and they're very vocal. And everybody else is either indifferent or they like it a lot. Uh, it, it is the real fans we're talking about here. Yeah, the real fans can't stand anything new in Star Trek, but uh, everybody else seemed to be okay with it. Uh, you can hear that Mr. Michael Felcher is on the call. Say hi, Michael. What up? Uh, we've also got all the way from England, the Chris Mitchell. Hey yo, and uh, Mike Ortiz is. Here, par usual. Hello, right, Mike. I'm here. Uh, our cue point is going to be 55 seconds, right after the bad robot goes goes away. Like it goes, bad robot goes away. Uh oh. God damn you, Blu-ray player. God damn you to hell. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and in like five seconds, we're gonna go. So I'm gonna count us down from three. Uh, now, are we going on three, two, one, go, or three, two, one on the one? Uh, either way is fine. Either it's way, because we're be... all going to be way off, because I'm yeah. already way past the point. I'm just going to guess. 
Wait, so you're way past the point. What do you mean you're way past no, the point? I you missed, can't I missed it. Uh, don't just just trust me. You missed it. Yeah. How did you miss it? How yeah, do you the miss Apple, the, uh, the this controller is not very precise when it comes down to seconds. Oh my god. What's your mouse? It's not a mouse. I'm not at a computer. What is it? He's he's still at a TV. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I'm watching this Apple on TV. TV. He's watching it on the Apple version, which actually comes with the commentary, correct? Yes. It does. Yes. Okay. Which is quite good. Uh, I'm watching it on Blu-ray. Chris, how are you and watching? I, I'm watching it on Stolen. Chris is watching it on Stolen. I was right. attempting to watch it on the Blu-ray, but my Blu-ray player is like acting funny. His 3D Blu-ray player. Is this what movie he is awesome in 3D. I actually did watch it again in 3D, so I will still comment on the spots that look great in 3D, even though I'm not watching it in 3D. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna go. But I'm putting on 3D it, glasses. Well, I'm gonna comment. I'm gonna comment on the spots that are in 2D that are really awesome. Just because you're blind in one eye. In yeah. three, two, one, unpause. There we go. Yay, it's smoke. We are Class in right planet. Nibiru. You know, it's funny. I watched the special features on this place, on, on, on this disc. I've got the target. Wait, yeah, I have the target version. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what made me more infuriated watching the special features was how much detail and love all of these people put into this movie, and to be shit on by longtime Star Trek fans was bullshit. Sorry, I had to say it right off the bat because watching this, well, features- we're going to be saying a lot of that. Yeah, so. and, but you know, I want to try to keep as much of this about what's good about it less than about what yeah. they hate. Like for example. All of these fucking spears look great in 3D, and there's one that shoots out right at the end, uh, right over McCoy, that uh, is like is, is one of those great classic 3D shots. Crap, classic 3D shots. But yeah, my favorite part: this scene is an episode of Star Trek. Bright colors. Yeah, it's the ending of an episode of Star Trek, right. basically. Yeah. Bright primary colors, Spock. action running. Spock. Yeah, Spock and Jim and Bones are in trouble on a planet. That's an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. They compress it down into what eight minutes of, of action. It's mm-hmm. what more can you ask? Yeah, I think yeah. it's a great idea. Just you know, hit the ground running with the crew already at their, you know, already in the groove doing what they do best. Fucking shit up, S- saving the <laughs> world. Fucking shit up, old school. Yeah, but, but saving the world is is standard operating procedure. That's what they do. Yeah, and then they get in trouble for it. I was kidding. Yeah. Well, of course, because they're already breaking the prime directive right off the bat. Because Kirk doesn't waste any time. Which again is every Screw episode it. of Star Trek, the original series. Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> no. And having rewatched a lot of episodes, hey, at least of the he didn't fuck it. Lately, well, I don't it's think it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing how completely irrelevant the prime directive was whenever it was convenient for Kirk or anybody uh, on the on the ship. <laughs> So yeah. the criticism that Kirk too quick to to uh, you know abandon the prime directive here again doesn't hold water when you look at the entire history of Star Trek. Well, and that, again, that is what this is is kind of about. Is he is he gets busted for it? Yeah, he gets busted. Oh, he for does. He, there's consequences. And then he shows up and saves the day. And they say, "Okay, fine, you broke the rules, but you saved the world. All right, we get it." And right, and that's totally unique to this film because Kirk that never happened to Kirk ever before this. <laughs> Except for every time he ever took a yeah. ship out. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the the volcano stuff is amazing. Uh, I don't know what special features you have, but 
Uh, if, if you've got the special features that has the volcano stuff, uh, I, I recommend watching it because lots and lots and lots and lots of this stuff are practical shots. There's very little CG. Uh, and yes, they are not shooting in a volcano, but they are shooting in front of a gigantic like fire pit with fire going off all the time with green screen around it. So it, it, it looks really, really, really good, especially when they show the the final shot of Spock basically going, I'm going to die, and like putting his arms out. They show that without the special effects, and I was like, wow, that's really, really amazing still, with, even without special effects. There's a lot of really simple, quick, uh, old-school trickery going on here. I mean, if you look at the entirety of what they built uh, for this planetary set, it's very tiny. You just repurpose it and reuse it, and then this is all you know, cut to another plate and some CG. So it's a really, really clever blending of a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I was completely amazed at how much, how much they did things that I thought were probably expensive CGI effects that were really just dude on a cable. Now here's another component of contention everyone has been having you since the trailer came out. Why is the Enterprise underwater? Because it's cool. No, no, and you know what? Right there. The characters pointed out. The, the characters point out. Scotty. At least, I appreciate the self-awareness of the movie to say, look, it's a cool image. We wanted to go with it, but we're going to at least acknowledge the fact that there really is no reason for this. Right. And I mean, I think that's a fair criticism, though. I mean, this is just there. There's this is one of those things where you like, OK, I'll just go with it because it looks cool. Well, well it's not right. just because it looks cool. How many fucking times have they shown the Enterprise in orbit? You've seen it a hundred times, a thousand times. They, they, they want to show the ship off, and the first time they do in this show, or in this movie, is underwater. The first time they've ever shown any Star Trek ship underwater. Yeah. So, so come on. you got to love it. They, ha they were trying something new and different, which is what you guys were complaining about that they didn't do. <laughs> anyway. Oh, there's the volcano, and then these people... The very little special effects on them too just their yeah, eyes practical just the eyes yeah, the rest is just practical makeup I like that uh, Kirk has a little bit of a punch in that wetsuit <laughs> yeah <laughs> see he does not he's not cut he's got a little bit of a punch and I think that's pretty funny he's also got quite a bulge in his crotch too well yeah, it's Kirk doesn't he always he's, he's excited he's gonna fuck something or he just did of course. Yeah, we don't know what he was doing on the planet beforehand. Why do you think they're running? I didn't notice any gender with those uh, with those uh, Nibiru people. Neither did Kirk. He doesn't care. You make that love connection. Gender doesn't play into it. And I do like that this really is kind of, you know, that the a Kirk moment of uh, I'm going to save my crew and I don't care what uh, what the consequences are right hell the only reason he gets in trouble is because he's still not on the he's still not on the same page with Spock where he, right. you know where Spock is like oh wait no I, I filed a report like it was supposed to I told everything that happened like motherfucker just don't <laughs> tell what happens and we're fine yeah but that's that's certainly not Spock well, but Spock breaks the rules too. He learns. He, he, no, he exaggerates. But no, he no, also. No, what, uh, 
He, al- he also knows that you got to take your lumps, take your consequences. They break the rules, yeah. and they they will pay a price as they, as they usually do. Yeah. And the question, I mean, you know, one of the interesting things also, and I think this uh, this is addressed in in the movie in, in a lot of ways is the idea of the, the difference between following the rules and doing what's right. Right. You know, because sometimes the rules are wrong. Yeah. And they're there way they are for a, a reason that doesn't actually support what its intentions are. And is it, can you really argue it's a bad thing to save the lives of all of these people just because they don't have warp technology, they don't get to survive, whereas we can't interfere with uh right. Yeah, it's a rather selective prime directive when you think about it. Right, and I think I think part of the movie even questions that idea that you know they're trying to do the right thing and save a lot of lives, even if it's violating some rules. And it's you know they're they're affecting this society and that now they've seen the Enterprise and they're going to worship it as a god or something like that. Um, but you know the main way they're affecting the society is saving all of their lives right now when the volcano doesn't explode. Right. It's like is that a bad thing? By the rules, yes, but there's a certain, you know, you just saved a species. <laughs> they could come back and say, well, we didn't save all of them because we were a little bit late. Most of their village got wiped out, so does that count? <laughs> we tried. We tried, and, you know, we wiped Almost out all the females who were back at the village, and, you know, so they're going to die anyway. With them titties. Congratulations, Spock. You save the world. Yeah, I do love the uh, this shot. Like, like I mentioned, they're drawing the Enterprise in the uh, red dirt. Yeah, it is now the thing they worship. It would be funny to cut back to this. I wish they'd done a flash forward, like ten thousand years into the future, and come back to this planet and find out what happened. Well, actually, I mean, wouldn't they be uh, Star Trek geeks because they worship the Enterprise? Uh, well, they, they might be like uh, the people who have the all-Roman planet or the people who have the uh, all-gangster planet. Right, I love right. this new warp effect. Oh, the new warp effect is that gorgeous. I, I love the snail trail. It's absolutely <laughs> awesome. Do you know what snail trail means here, Chris? Yeah, it's no. not something you'd want to really put in a Star Trek movie. Right. It's, it's, the snail trail is uh, when ladies are very excited and they leave a trail. On the snail trail. I and love then, this. Either way, yeah. this is a very this is such a different opening to any Star Trek film that we've ever seen. I mean, this the, the music is different. The, the everything about it, you would not know you were watching a Star Trek film in a way. Has if you any other Star Trek film opened? Well, I guess the last one because they weren't alive yet, but really kind of opened on something that's not Star Trek. I mean, this is yeah. you know parents going to visit their sick child in a hospital. Yeah, you know, there's no space adventuring going on. That's very, very strange and unique. And, At this point, it's a family drama set in the future, essentially, right here. And almost no words. Yeah. yeah. Well, really, the no. only dialogue is Khan, isn't yeah. it? Right. I, I could can say. save uh, Yep. You know, that's how you are introduced to this character. As no, 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 no. It's, it's Harrison. It's Harrison. Let's keep it. We don't want to ruin the surprise for anybody. I'm pretty sure everybody knows, and I like I like the fact that they use uh, what's his name Mickey from uh, Doctor Who, because it's one of those things where it's like I know him, 
mm-hmm. right off the bat. If you are a somewhat you're a sci-fi fan, you're going to know. Who but that look is. at how much they've communicated about the situation without any dialogue. I mean, we understand without that those are her parents. That this is mm-hmm. a hospital. That she's sick. She's sick. Yeah. And you yeah. know, this and, is and, the, and the super duper future where they can cure everything. So this must be bad. Whatever it is. Bad. Yeah. This is yeah. like super, super mega AIDS or something. Mega AIDS. Well, it. it I think it's one of those things where this is a reality where children still die of illness. And, and and that's one of those things where it's like, holy shit, that doesn't happen in any other Star Trek. Children don't die in Star Trek. Everything will be fine. We've well, gotten rid of all childhood diseases. Everything but also one of die. the things that they've done here and at the end of the movies is this is really the first time in the movies we've spent much time on Earth. Yeah. You know, seeing what regular 23rd century life is like. I mean, we see San Francisco in, in great detail. I mean, we see yeah, more of the 20th this, century in the movies than the 23rd. The yeah. Yeah, that's really just like, I mean, that's, not, that's you know, Federation headquarters. We see that. We see yeah. that space dock. We get to see, like, life in the 23rd century, which you never really see. At least barely see. You know, I guess McCoy in the bar in Star Trek Three is kind of the closest. You saw a lot in Next Gen. Uh, you, you see what they did right there? Curve bang the two chicks, yeah. Th- those are no, those are Cotillions, which were only animated series characters. Whatever they are, they were animated series aliens that never made any appearance in anything, so they technically weren't canon until that moment there. These people love Star Trek. I thought they were in Star Trek Four. Were they? Yeah, they were some of the uh, Federation ambassadors. Are they back there uh, that you can't really tell that they're there? They look more cat-like, but I believe okay. they are. Uh, yes, sir. I didn't want to waste your okay, time. then. Yeah, tell me more about but Kirk banged them, so I'm but happy yeah, with that. They, and, and looking more like cats, they were much, much less bangable. This is a, I really enjoy these scenes a great deal. Uh, really good. I mean, again, for any criticism that these movies get about not having enough character interaction and not really exploring... Yeah, just the, the idea that these characters really still are not that on board with each other yet. And I think these scenes go a long way to establishing that. And again, I'm just a big admirer of Bruce Greenwood's work as Pike. You know, are, 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 we, uh, are we spoiling, the, you know, things that are coming in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, at this point, if you're watching, if this is the first time That's you're watching I'm, I'm, this movie... And I'm jumping ahead here because of what you just said, Michael, is I actually was very, very happy at the end of the last movie that Pike survived because I thought he was an interesting and engaging character. And here, even more so, so when he does actually die later, it's like, holy fuck, I'm actually more sad about that than uh, than like anything else in this movie because I actually really like this character and like his relationship with Kirk. And that was my best Spock moment there. I am expressing multiple, what is it, multiple uh, attitudes, sir? Which one do you speak? Get out. Because Spock's like, yeah, I know, that's the cue for me. But he's, he's like being super dickish, but he's actually not. He just, he's just being Spock. He's being Spock. Yeah. He just doesn't understand. He, he asked a question. Yeah. From his, and I really like the idea that he's not. He doesn't understand why Kirk would just think. Well, why wouldn't I tell the truth? It's not until later on he goes, "Oh, right. Yeah, we don't always have to. Right. We almost don't have to tell the whole damn story, do we?" Yeah. Right. Well, that's I, where he learns the omission. Yeah. Wouldn't have risked my first officer's life, which is is a, another a strange homage to Star Trek Two as well, because that's where Spock first does the I exaggerate. Yeah. Like, well, oh. 
The other thing is about this whole scenario, I don't think it was just Kirk going, we've got to save this planet. I think this was, I think this was a driving force of Spock, too, because, you know, as other people have said, he's not going to let another planet be destroyed after Vulcan got destroyed. Right, so there's something very personal for him. It's Spock's solution to the problem that's there, and he doesn't have to come up with it if he's not on board with what Kirk's going to do. Right. And and he and he go and he goes and risks his own life to do it. Yeah, and that comes back in. They're sending you back to the academy. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh well, that comes back into play later on when it realizes that Spock. One of the reasons that he's sort of the way he is now is directly as a result of Vulcan blowing up and having lost so much of his emotional control that he never wants to go there again. Yeah, he he does not want to see another planet destroyed, whether it be by a volcano or by anything else, and that's why he is, you know, come up with the idea of the uh, the device that will stop the volcano from exploding because he doesn't want to see loss of life. And I think that's the reason why Kirk is so betrayed in that that scenario is because of. Yeah. Wait, no, no, this wasn't just my idea. This was your idea too. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, this is this is Spock's plan. Right. And Kirk yeah. just went along with it. Is it you were down there in the volcano, motherfucker? Well, I think also um, kind of the, the drumming down that he gets. I mean, there's that one line where he basically says, you got lucky when Kirk is like, I haven't lost a single crew member. And you, and that is will. kind of, you know, one of the reasons that, that Kirk has survived what he survived throughout Star Trek is just because, you know, it's, he gets lucky and things happen that, that the writers make happen for him. Uh, because they don't want him to die, and that kind of gets called out here. That, it, that it's it's not he's he has been lucky. It's not necessarily his great captainness. He hasn't really literally faced death, um, which kind of calls back to Star Trek uh, Star Trek Two. And really, I mean, the cockiness there contrasted with uh, the scene later when he basically looks at the crew and says, "I'm sorry, we're all going to die," although he yeah. looks out and they don't die. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But that that's, give... that's kind of the arc I think that he gets here is that realization, that understanding that you without that you really can't be a captain. I want to give a real special shout out to the music by Michael Giacchino in these in these scenes here. It's this incredibly just lovely little piano motif that he has running throughout all of this. Uh, it's, it's unlike any other Star Trek music. This this score yeah. in particular has stuff in it that no other Star Trek movie has, and I got to give him a lot of credit for just. Especially with a sequel, when you have to reintroduce so many themes that you have already done, still finding a way to make this score really unique and stand out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would be hard-pressed for me to kind of, like, uh, kind of vote against. I know we're not having a geek, but here, like, some of the other the other classic scores. But honestly, I think this may be the best. I mean, it yeah, really... Yeah, this is in the top It three. captures I, a range you, of emotions that... That Star Trek movies don't tend to have. I mean, it's not it's not that the other scores were bad. It's just that they they were uh, scoring very different kinds of movies, and, and this type of movie gets a very much richer score. And Giacchino gets a, an enormous amount of respect from me because coming into it so late after so many great scores in the series, how do you find something new? How do you find a new way to tackle it with still being faithful to the tone of Star Trek scores in the past? without imitating and he did a great job and he you know, he's he's one of the best composers out there see oh this moment right here the explosion oh, just... and then showing the picture of his daughter yeah 
And there we get what, what will be the first of many mass destruction in cities uh, for the summer of 2013. And yet yeah. this one, this one isn't by far the worst one. Oh no, that was tiny. I mean, that was one bomb. Later, it's a spaceship. Later, yeah. it's Superman. Yeah. And then no, it's giant robots and monsters. Uh, I, I, I do want uh, ice cubes like that. <laughs> a little circular ice cube. Did okay, you see the ones on a Co- on, that they talked about on the Colbert Report? I know you better need uh, them. No, wait, maybe. It's new special ice. Expense, it's like $75 a bag. Yes, yes. It's carved out of some special glacier it's, thing. It's $75 a cube. It's not a bag. It's a cube. Well, there's one cube in a bag. Well, yeah, there you go. And I, I thought this was a great scene too, and a nice yeah. callback to uh, the, the last movie. movie. Yeah. I really and dig again. the Admiral uh, outfit, the, the callback yeah, to Kirk's a... outfit in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. But it actually looks cool here. Actually, I think Kirk, I think the the one that Kirk wore as an Admiral actually did uh, look pretty good, because that was yeah, two tone and neither was was a pastel. I like the collar on this. I like the 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 way it's all styled. I mean, again, this movie has first-rate work in every single department. There's really no area where I can say, oh, man, they just really didn't put it together for this. Because that's always the problem with a sequel is, are they just going to get a little lazy and reuse a lot of the same kind of stuff and not really try to put anything new into it? But like with the score earlier, this was, again, you could tell people gave a shit with this movie in every single bit of it. I mean, it's just, there's nothing lazy about this picture. Wait a minute, is this the first Star Trek movie where they don't reuse some kind of uh, visual effect that they... No, there's made? not one thing reused in here. And I mean, I'm nothing that I could spot, anyway. Uh, that shot of the bird of prey blowing up is not in there anywhere. It's not, they're not doing that. So. The fourth well, to time. be fair, this is the first time a Star Trek movie's had $200 million to play with. Yeah, yeah. Oh God! It got well, I guess Star Trek: The Motion Picture had the equivalent amount, but equivalent it of also that, didn't but that wasn't anything. planned. <laughs> We're yeah. planning on spending that much money on that. But that one also didn't reuse any effects from the show. No, but well, no, that would have really stood out. That would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> just in out? one shot, it's the old Enterprise circling a planet. But all four movies, right? One through three, or is it one through three or one through four? Use all the same sets and all the. Uh, there's a few special effects that keep popping up. Well, this one they reuse even, the, even in uh, generations. Generations reused the shot of the goddamn bird of prey blowing up. Yeah, but yeah. They, they've always like. But even this one redresses the Enterprise set for the Vengeance the same way they did in Star Trek Two. Yeah, but still, oh. I don't know. Didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they, they all do that because yeah. I mean, yeah. they got to save money. Well, I built two separate sets. And and just hell, I was amazed. Did, did either of you watch the con- listen to the commentaries? Uh, no, not yet. No, a, very large, not large, but decent portions of this movie were just shot at the bad robot offices. Which look just happened to look a lot like. Well, I mean, it's it's trickery. Sometimes they throw up a screen. Sometimes it's like they're looking out a window. Hey, windows look the same, and then you just ILM puts in some some uh, future buildings in the background. But it was I, it's amazing how much of this stuff is not shot where it looks like. You know, it's uh, there's lots of shots on the bridge that are just pickup shots from month, months later where they just needed a sentence or a reaction. I mean, really, they this is a very, like... Oh, you know they filmed some pickup shots in an, in an Apple store. Oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's <laughs> isn't... Is it, isn't there a genius guy in the background of the bridge? Oh yeah, absolutely. Even even there, Spock still he he's trying to get it. 
He just doesn't. See, and, and Quinto is doing such a great job with this character. Yeah. He's just like, I want to, I want to be your friend, but God damn it, humans are weird. I mean, he just he's, doesn't understand yeah. it. He's so close to getting it, but he hasn't quite got it yet, and it's yeah. it's a wonderful performance. And he won't get it until Kirk dies. It's not yeah. the moment until he. And another actor got to give big props. It was great seeing Peter Weller again in actually a really really tough part to play because this is not a typical villain. On the one hand, you understand where he's coming from. Uh, his attitude is not without some... There's, there's some arguments to be made that his decisions in this movie are not entirely wrong, but he just goes about it completely the wrong way. No, he, he, he's doing all the right things in all the wrong ways, basically. He's, def he's defending the Federation against the Klingons in the worst possible way that he could do it. It's in the contrast to what Kirk has just done. Mm -hmm. Kirk was breaking the rules too for what he thought was the right reason. Right. So, so it, it, it's the it's the other side of the coin where if you're not right, you're fucking evil. <laughs> but yeah. see, I don't think yeah. he's yeah. not really. He, he even he's comes to his mistake at the end. He's like, I thought I could control him. I was wrong. I need to uh, just hand him over to me, and we will just get rid of him, and all of this will be done. Well, no, he was still planning on blowing them all up. And that's so. the only part. That's the part where it actually does get a little darker. But even then, he's he's still, that's because he knows it's not going to work. Then, then yeah. it's going to get out. And if people find out that he does that he did this, it would make things worse than they were before. So, and, well, and well, I think Willa does a great job of selling the... The conflict that that character has. You yeah. don't trust him at all. Even from the beginning, you know something's up. But you can tell that this is not just a guy pretending to be a good guy. He's there's there's definitely a, a man here who under had the timeline not been changed, had things not altered. He would have probably stayed. Uh, none of this. He never would have turned to the dark side, so to speak. I think he would have stayed. But because things. In this timeline, have been so radically. Oh, now here's a scene that proves that someone, someone in the chief creative uh, place in this film, is a fan of Godfather Three, or at least one scene in it. <laughs> because this is just a flat-out remake of the helicopter shooting the mafia scene <laughs> in Godfather Three. Maybe. Oh, okay. don't bullshit. It's the same fucking scene, and I'm fine with that. I have no problems with that. It's actually better here. But it's the same thing. All the big all the big guys in one room, and then a helicopter shows up and starts shooting them all. Yeah, but did that helicopter have a uh, super duper transporter to take you to Kronos? Uh, that would have been that would have been very strange if they had appeared in Godfather Three. And just imagine this gangster shows up on Kronos all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like what the fuck? fuck? What's Kronos? See, I, I like that the the only digital effects in this shot are the bolts and the actual the the look of the ship the ship there actually is a light rig that's just sitting there floating yeah. and, and it's there like even, even this which you would think is digital nope they actually built that like oh yeah what it's for one fucking shot in the movie they built it so you could press it on the wall and it would open not yet but it's it was, as soon as he took that hit, everybody on to the night. He's he's fucked. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was like, wow, I'm really 
I didn't sad want him that to they die. went there. I mean, I'm not not complaining about it because it, it yeah. works for me. It's a character that I uh, have a certain amount of emotional investment in. But unlike the character, you know, I am fairly certain that Scotty's not going to die. Right. Right. Um, there are characters that you that you can be emotionally invested in in a secondary way. That uh, that when they die, it has it has an impact. I mean, that's that's really what what uh, happens in, in lots of Star Trek. Um, and then you know we have Khan, who you are supposed to be emotionally kind of uninvested in, but strangely they do make uh, they make this a Khan that you kind of get. Yeah. You know. Yeah, this Khan when he was awakened encountered a much different Federation than the one from Space Seed. And that was a problem, you know, and that's going to come up later, but we might as well, I want to kind of address a little bit of it now. Oh. I just, it's just, it's, no, it's just fucking sad. Well, knowing w- w- with what Spock says later about this scene, it makes the yeah. scene so much more hardcore. Right. Just, no, I don't want to go. Like, God damn it. Yeah. And, and, and then coming back and watching it again, you see it in his eyes. Yeah, you see it in Spock's eyes. Like, oh, shit, it hits him really hard here. Yeah. But he, again, Quinto does such a great job of letting it hit him hard and then quickly just putting it back into place. And that's, you know, again, what is kind of one of the central themes of Star Trek II is this idea of the, the Kobayashi Maru, of the, of the idea of facing death, uh, learning to face death, learning not to hide from it and cheat your way around it, but, but actually facing it head on. And that's... From from the opening sequence all the way to the end, that is, is just repeated through that movie, and they they hit that exact same theme here, uh, inverting the characters in different ways, inverting the the ways that people come to terms with it in different ways, uh, but still doing it uh, doing the exact same thing in, in a very very different movie. I, mean, I thought that was one of the sort of bolder and braver choices to make. Well, so to yeah, sort of revisit so did I. that theme. I agree that, and that was a, it, a lot of people. A lot of people took this as just be a lazy remake of Wrath of Khan, but it's it's not. The problem with that it is if they were trying to remake, it wouldn't work. That you know, those characters in Wrath of Khan are not the same characters here. We're we're experiencing a very different reality, and I love the fact that they're still addressing issues that resonated in that movie. Yeah, but in a very different way, and in a very unique to these characters way. I, I just I give them a lot of credit because it would have been very easy for them, very easy for them to never deal with the con thing, to just avoid it the whole time, just pretend it doesn't exist because we but they took it head on in this, made it their own, and now they've gotten past it. Now they've gotten to a point where they don't ever have the, the, the con albatrosses off their neck, they don't have to worry about it anymore. And they've at the same time they didn't waste time by telling a con story. They used it to really advance the characters to a point they needed to be for the third movie. And I think, you know, even just the, the reimagining of, of Khan not as a kind of scene-stealing tyrant, but as a terrorist uh, makes it kind of resonate in a modern way, uh, the way that, that kind of just redoing the, the old con, either con. I mean, con is two different stories and two different cons you know with the same actor uh again in two different places 
Uh, I think this con does throw back to to the earlier Space Seed con more because he's not as psychotic. Uh, honestly, I think he's more of a threat. I think he's more of a credible threat uh, than Wantle he's, so, he's so scary. He's so no, scary. I, 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 am, I am terrified of this Khan, and I'm yeah. not terrified of the one that is in Wrath of Khan or Space Seed. This is the Khan that, that at the end of Space Seed stole the end Enterprise got back to Earth, tooled up to the teeth, and then went out to take on the galaxy. This this is where this Khan is, because he's been given all of these resources and knowledge by the Admiral, so the, the you know, Section 31 and stuff like that. And and he's terrifying. He really is such a, a wonderful movie villain. The, the, I don't know why anyone would argue with it. I, what I also find, what well, I think, again, a lot of it was the perfect casting of Benedict Cumberbatch. I think that he, the way he portrays this character, it's not soulless, but at the same time, because you can tell underneath the surface there's a lot going on with him. But Khan in this movie is someone who's been essentially forced to do the bidding of another man with a threat of his family being held <laughs> in hostage. And it's like, it's a, it, we're getting a much more layered con in this film. And it's not to say that I don't love Ricardo Montalban on the other con, but they've done more with the con character in this. And I would, I, I'll stand by, I think they've done more, much more interesting things with the con character here than Space Seed or even Wrath of Khan really did. You know, you know what's really interesting, um, and, and this, this, you know, I, I agree. I think this act for me, it, it makes permission. It, it just takes Khan to a different place. All of the stuff you said about him being sympathetic. First time I saw this movie, that's I, I walked away going, oh, a really interesting place to take it. Then the second time I saw the movie, and especially when we hit the point later when Kirk goes, no, I think we're helping him. I started to question. Your medical exam. Was Khan just playing ago, me at that point? No, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, 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 I had exactly the same thought. It's like, he got me. And I'm sat in, the, sat in the theater watching the thing, and he got me. No wonder Kirk fell for I, it. Yeah, because, I've seen Rathal you know, I've seen I, Spacey. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen everything that he's done to this point, and I've seen things that Kirk hasn't seen in this movie, and I'm still sold on the fact that he just wants his family back. Yeah. But and maybe that's know, true. Maybe yeah. that's still, oh, maybe but see, that's, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Is, is there is that there is that credibility to it, but then there is also the possibility of holy fuck, maybe he is just playing, and that makes. I mean, he supposedly he never. He never convinced me in the other movies that he was smarter than everybody else on the screen because everybody just had to do kind of dumb things around him. But this con kind of like is like, wow, I think this... I think He's always one step or two steps ahead. Yeah. At almost every key point, he, he has things worked out to a degree that... And, then Kirk, and then it is a great line by Kirk where even he's really like, I think we're running cons. We're just playing catch-up to con, essentially. Yeah. And really it's just Spock ultimately. <laughs> McCoy's always examining Kirk at every point. <laughs> He's prodding and poking him. He's always poking him to him. He's like, stop that. I have to admit, I, I, do, uh, I do think um, Carl Urban was, was not as well utilized as I would have liked in this movie. Uh, I, I think the Kirk-Spock-McCoy yeah, dynamic is, is great, but it doesn't really happen in this movie as much. And I, I mean, I get it. There's a lot of characters, a lot of things. Uh, I, there's characters I would not have mind seeing less of to see more of McCoy because I love McCoy. But 
Go ahead, <laughs> say it. You don't want to see the Negro character as much. Oh, yeah, I, th- I, I do not like Ahura as much. I actually don't really care for this Carol Marcus much other than the gratuitous panty shot. The, uh, the no, gratuitous really half a frame yeah, panty I mean, shot? I'm not going to get it. Oh, no, I have it saved on my hard drive. <laughs> I, I, I think the McCoy accents are really well done, but like you say, I think that more of them would have been yeah. better. But, but just... I mean, Carl Urban has got this... He's managed to nail down the Bones character so well that when he just pops up behind Kirk and sticks him with something and jumps back down again, it's like, that's Bones. That's exactly what he would do in that situation. He's, he's nailed it. He really has. He's the only one, he's the only one out of all of the stars to almost be channeling one of the previous actors. Yeah, and, and it's, not, it's not a criticism of the movie so much as it is I would just like more of... McCoy, yes. but there, but there is, there is a trade-off. We don't get as much McCoy, yeah. but Scotty gets a lot more to do in this movie, yeah. and I like and, that. Although honestly, and, that, I like and I'm McCoy. fine with that. I like McCoy more than Scotty. I mean, it could be super meta. I mean, every TOS episode that I watch, I want more bones. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they're transferring it to the, to the movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, and maybe, think, maybe if you walk out of every movie going, you know, that was really good, but I could have done with more bones. Maybe they're doing exactly the job that yeah. they wanted. That is sweet. Core is massive, man. It's hard to watch this and then go back to watching Next Generation's idea of the War Core. Is like, well, that's that's quaint. Yeah, it's a tube, basically, with little Christmas lights lighting up. It's like, okay. I have no um, idea what that thing is. Did any, has anybody found out what that is? Is it some sort of real high? I, my understanding. Collider of some kind? Yeah, some sort no, of super high tech device. Yeah, it's not it's not a collider as such, but it's something of that ilk. It's like a, yeah, yeah. a, a an electron generator or something like that. It's only, not it's not world ending, you know, apocalypse making. Only it's not a beer factory at this time. Yeah. Only qualified people are allowed to touch it. <laughs> no, the, the extras to touching in it in the background are actually employees of the facility that know which button not to press to I love I love this moment because this is how you know Kirk is going the wrong way, and he knows Scott, it too. He knows it, and Scotty's like, "Hey, no, you can't do this. You can't do this." I thought we were supposed to be explorers. Yeah, oh. you know, when did we turn into a military operation? And so the, again, that. these, scenes, these scenes just again, I think people either overlooked or just completely missed. This is not a simple-minded movie. They understand the complexities of what's going on here, and they're they're the first ones to address it. They're the first ones to say, "Why are we being asked?" To, I thought this was what we were supposed to be doing. And the characters are actually having these debates with each other, and I I, I just think that was this is this one's a much more Im- socially and politically and emotionally complex film than the last movie was. Well, it, it, it shows an understanding of TOS because week week to week they were at exploration. You know, ship, and then the the week later they were a military ship, and then the week later they were an exploration ship. It shows right. an understanding of the, the, you know, the confusion that there was throughout the whole run of TOS that they didn't know what they were half the time. You know, they they were attacking Klingons one week, and then they were a pure exploration ship the next. Well, I, I, someone uh, brought up recently the the fact that in the first movie Starfleet was referred to as a peacekeeping armada. Which is how does that work? A contradiction in terms, but that's <laughs> bit, what Starfleet yeah. is in many ways. I mean, are like they... Spock's look when they come off the terminals, like you were talking about me. The... I can tell you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and, and the Scotty thing does 
Yeah, like even though I, I, I just I said what I said about Bones. One of the things that I do like about this movie is everybody gets. There's a good balance of giving everybody something. Like now, Chekhov gets this, this engine. Room the red stuff. shirt moment. I love the little. Yeah. I gotta love the, the fact that, this is zooming. Oh God, not a red shirt. That means I could really die horribly. Yeah, exactly. And and, che- and part of me was like, are they gonna kill Chekhov? Like for that second. You know what? I thought they might. I, I because really I'm like, they well, might. you know. If they really, I, I didn't think they were going to blow up Vulcan last time out. Maybe this is going to be the thing. Something that you love is going to go in every single movie. Yeah, yeah. Disrespect for Sulu in a way in this movie. Fuck, he's badass. Oh, yeah. yeah he's got he's oh, got yeah. a great moment. Everybody gets, gets a good It's one of the things I, I've, I've heard complaints about. Everybody gets a moment. And I don't understand why people would complain about the fact that, oh, yeah, but Chekhov, Chekhov, Chekhov gets to run around an engineer and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Chekhov yeah. gets to run around an engineer and I want to see that. Sulu gets to be a badass in the captain's chair. I want to see that. That's really, really good stuff. But people are complaining about it. It's like, you're nuts. Why wouldn't you want to see these characters doing the things that these characters do? Well, And if those things hadn't been there, they would have complained that they weren't there. Exactly. Can't fucking win with these people, you know? Well, and there's also the the complaint that... Every, that nobody's really You're kind of earned where they are, uh, which I don't know. It just kind of. Well, they're, they're, they're fucked. Exactly? <laughs> they're basically they're fucked from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. They're screwed, so they've earned exactly where they are. Yeah. You know that there, there's no one comes away from this clean. They were out there too soon, too early. Kirk is not ready to be a captain until he dies. And here at the is end. here is the moment. You know, where everybody, Kirk does right there. everybody is fucked. Here, here's the moment where Kirk's like he he listens to Spock. He does the right thing. He knows shooting missiles at the Klingon homeworld is not the way to proceed. Yeah. You know he and he's violating orders also as well as doing right, the right let's thing. Let's go get this son of a bitch. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of kind of nice here that we get that moment of Kirk like not being Kirk like, which you know again is one of the criticisms. But then you know once it actually comes, you know push comes to shove, he knows what the right thing to do is and he does it. I, I think it was a combination of both Scotty and uh, and uh, Spock. Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. I think the spot. Well, the Scotty thing shook him. I mean, yeah. you could tell it yeah. really did. And it was just like, whoa! I just what happened here? And so it was just. I think Spock. Then the thing with Spock is like, you know what? What am I doing? I can't do this. I can't just, you know. These may be my orders, but these this wrong. Something's wrong about this. One of the great differences between the the, the Shatner Kirk and the Pike Kirk is that you get moments where you see that um, uh, Chris Pine is is shaken, and that doesn't happen with the Shatner Kirk at all until David dies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only moment that you ever see him doubt anything that he's doing. And I, I think that you know you, you get so much more out of the. I mean, I know it's it's very compressed down into like two movies and stuff like that but you get these little moments where where you see that he's not the same character and he is you you know he is not as maybe not as strong as the Shatner Kirk I think that's that's what a lot of the you know what it comes down to with with all of it with both of these movies in general is the you know that that's what people mean when they say this isn't my Star Trek it was this Star Trek that they really liked and you know the people who I 
I never liked Captain Kirk. I enjoyed Shatner's performance and the character's bravado and all of that, but it was never a character that I liked or cared about. Spock was. I mean, I actually was. I mean, I liked Spock and I liked McCoy. Never liked Kirk. This is actually a Kirk that I, I would like, um, but for other people, you know, it just kind of registers in a different way. You know, come and you know we talked about this with a variety of other characters. Superman, you know, the is it supposed to be relatable as in someone you can connect to, or is it supposed to be someone who's above you that you aspire to be? Uh, and I, I do always kind of come down more on the characters that I can relate to. Once we're on route, I want you to Not that I, I understand, understand any of the situation he's in. It's just as a person. I, this this, this Kirk is a bit of both, I think. I think he's someone that you could relate to, but you, you aspire to be the the character that he is and the decisions that he makes and the the actions that he takes during this movie. Yeah. You know, he, he is a, he is somewhere between someone that you could meet on the street and a god. <laughs> Well, that's Captain Kirk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, that's but, exactly I mean, what see Kirk him is. Kind of do, you see him wrestle with that more than you really ever saw Shatner wrestle with that. Well, that's because, because Shatner was a god. Yeah. <laughs> Acting Captain Sulu to Shadow Bay 2. And I guess I, the what, mud what, reference. Yeah, the mud reference. Yeah, the, the, the ship stolen from the, that they got from the smuggler. The mud incident is what they call it. Which, which is like is not Harry Mudd. It isn't? It's his daughter. Harry Mudd's daughter. How do you know that? Because that was in the Countdown to Darkness comic book. Ah, I did not know that. She's half Bajora. Really? She's half Bajora. That's awesome. No, sir. Good. How the fuck they get all the way out there? Who knows? Cisco. Yeah. I love the look. Whenever they have a guy with like the two red shirts there in that scene, you can just see the look on their faces like... We're really wearing the wrong color to be doing this sort of thing. You know that the the, the, uh, the white guy, the guy with the uh, goatee, he's the guy that Kirk fights in the bar. Yeah. 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 So I, I like here, this scene. This scene is really important right here, actually. I was going to say, even though I, I I didn't, I'm the one who came out against the uh, the romance. I think that scene uh, between the two of them works very well. A shuttle of high I like the romance actually. A lot of people have not had a pro- had a real problem with it, but I think the way it's handled in both films makes sense for these characters. I mean, if you'd suddenly introduced that between Nimoy and Michelle Nichols, yeah, okay, that would have seemed weird because that wasn't the way that was set up. But they've clearly set this up. It's a different universe, different rules, different character interactions. I have no problem with it. I like it. It was happening before we met this crew. Which right. I think it was already they did in really place. well. You know, it was already in place. And I love the fact that Uhura is the boss in this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they're yeah. not on the bridge, she is in charge. And she would be. Even even, you know, the, the TOS and the, the original series movies, Uhura would be in charge in that relationship because you know, strong woman, little meek man. He's you know, he scared is, of her. You can tell so Yeah, he's absolutely scared. terrified of her, which is exactly what he should be because she's this well of emotion and stuff like that that he doesn't know what to do with. Which comes uh, comes right from the, the, the first time we know they have a, a relationship, which is, why the fuck did you put me on the whatever? I should be on the Enterprise. Put me no, on the Enterprise. I thought it would be awkward if maybe we were both. No, I'm on the Enterprise. Okay, there you go. I'm not going to argue with it because I'm going to lose this fight. And I'm not the I only one this. who's upset with you. This, this is great. I mean, Spock's oh, no, rationale no, 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 for why he is the way he is. Yeah. 
And it shakes the other two. They didn't. They hadn't really thought of it. You know, they're both kind of like, oh, well, now that you mentioned it, that is kind of a good point. Again, this movie does not get the credit, and the, and the previous movie didn't get the credit for really understanding that it, as much action as is in these movies and as much... Uh, explosions and big set pieces there's a lot of really wonderful character development going on in here for a film that has to take in so much so much plotting so many so many things have to come into play here you're having to satisfy so many masters with a big film like this the fact that you can have a scene like this I think for me means the world because it, it it sets up and enhances everything that comes after that and so many filmmakers especially these days forget that uh, they or they would they would have a scene like this, but it would get cut in pre-production, or it would be a deleted scene on the DVD. But here it is, and without this, so much of what happens in the later part of the movie wouldn't have as much resonance. And I think that the, the every every action sequence that is in both of the the new the newer Star Trek movies is earned by a scene like this. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're not there's not an you know, where, where you're just action, 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 and there isn't a scene in there that gives you a little bit of heart and a little bit of, you know, compassion for the characters that are there. And even just now, before we before we get into this, when we first saw Klingon, there was an ex- what looked like a partially exploded moon in orbit yeah. around. Are we led to believe that that's uh, practice, practice, practice before... Did they, did they overmine a few years too early as a result of this new timeline? And they might have done. Yeah. Nemo might have set into it, you know, accelerated a lot of events in the yeah. Alpha Quadrant. I would, I, would, I would argue not because that moon was a moon that was in a fairly close orbit to Kronos, whereas uh, it seemed like Praxis was a little bit uh, farther out. It might have just been a visual nod, like, hey, 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 yeah. we, you know, or, a, maybe they overmind another moon, because the Klingons are stupid. Yeah. So, <laughs> no one actually ever said Praxis was the first moon they did that to. Yeah. One of the things they uh, mention in the special features is that with the Klingons, because of the, the type of race they are in Star Trek, they wanted them to actually be at war with each other, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of civil war and civil unrest going on. So that might have just been, you know... Russia, a a, we yeah, could have been a victim own. of something else. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and, and one of the things that that I, I kind of feel sorry for uh, the makers of, of this, of these movies, is this idea that there's certain adherences to the previous timeline. Um, because, uh, you know, they're going to they, they're going to get flack for the for kind of the Klingons. They're going to get flack for all these things that I think they are trying to just genuinely make different in the way that Star Trek, the motion picture made them look different. Kind of like pretend they always looked like this. Right. You know, there's they're trying to evolve the whole thing as well, not just be kind of tied to the to the look of the previous Star Trek. Uh, you know, they're, they're crafting something of their own here that sometimes, you you know, the change in timeline cannot adequately explain this stuff, but much like the starship coming out, the explanation is we're trying to do something different and unusual. I love the cool. new Klingon bird of prey. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the Klingon language, if anybody complains about it, uh, the guy who wrote the Klingon language said, go fuck yourselves. I wrote the goddamn language. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to pronounce it. They did it right. It's like, holy shit. 
Now you the, gotta the, wonder if, if any of the previous cast members, especially the supporting cast, like with this scene coming up here with Uhura, does Michelle Nichols watch this and go, "Fuck, I never had a scene this good." I, yeah. I imagine she does that every time she is forced to watch this movie. No, I don't think so. I think Michelle Nichols sees it as what it is. If I did not have the role that I had, oh sure, she yeah. would never have this opportunity. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sure she so, does. But there's got to be sure. some, a little yeah, something but, in the back going. I never got to yeah. do anything this cool. More than <laughs> ju- more than being, you know, a, a, a an activist in any sort. She is an actress that wants to get work. Yeah. <laughs> and every actress and actor uh, looks at something like this and go, well, "Why didn't I get an opportunity like this?" And yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that this has kind of done is it's really grown a variety of the the smaller characters yeah this is not hailing frequencies open captain uhura here i mean this is but this really shows uhura has has moved from being secondary i mean i the cover that i have if you look at most she's on it yeah yeah it's it's bones isn't on a lot of them but she is i mean the classic star trek image she Uh. has replaced bones in this trinity See, the one thing that, that strikes me about the Klingons is there is nothing that I have seen in, in TNG through Voyager and Deep Space Nine that tells me that a local Klingon militia officer wouldn't look exactly like this guy who's about to take his hat off. And I like you know? the new Klingon look. I think this yeah, looks very think, appropriate. Uh, yeah, it, look, it looks fresh and new, and he's got lovely ridge piercings. And I, as soon as I looked at that, I was like, yep, that's the Klingon. Yeah, he's a handsome guy. But like I was saying, there's there's nothing to tell me in any other iteration of Star Trek that a local Klingon militia person wouldn't look exactly like this guy here. He's not a he's not a you know stretch right out of left field or anything like that. This is what Klingons look like. It's a variation on. It's familiar enough that you go, oh, that's a Klingon. Yeah. You know, it's just not, and and they certainly act like Klingons. And then this terrifying mother comes (laughs) up and shows up. It yeah. just lays waste to everybody. In 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 the cat in the canon that is Star Trek, the only thing more terrifying to me than Klingons is Jem Hadar and Harrison Khan would tear through them as well. Oh yeah. Oh, you he know. just lays waste to them. I mean he just yeah. it blows up a fucking bird right. <laughs> there are three ships worth of Klingons there and he takes them all out. Well, Kirk <laughs> takes out one, doesn't he? No, he takes out one guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's well, well, he, he's yeah. he wins this fight. Yeah, yeah. he's but taking out one guy. <laughs> Spock's just taken one guy out, but but you know, Khan does everything, everything else. Everything. Wow. I mean, he's, he's, he's well, he's wielding two right guns. Now. One of them gigantic. Yeah. Yes, because only he's strong enough to hold that shit. God, I love. It. But this was the first time I ever like. You knew you knew it was Khan, and then holy shit. That's fucking calm. Yeah. This is just genetically super race. I'm gonna beep the shit out of everything I come in. This is why this is why they close the goddamn program down. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, we've invented these motherfuckers. This was a bad idea. Well yeah, this, idea. this is the first time you're like, oh my god, that is well one, you go, Oh my god, that is an enhanced human. On the other hand, you're like, Wow, that genuinely is a superior race. This is not like yeah. Hitler. He actually yeah. is superior. He yes. is well and, and just a bit here where Kirk unleashes his rage on oh, him I coming up and it has no effect on him whatsoever and Connie well, it, it, gives him shit about it later are you going yeah. to hit it, me it, again until your arm is tired it's like oh, it, kind, it, it gives back to space seed and stuff like that because you know this is the guy that they were up against in space seed you know that this is what they had to stop 
and yeah. space even wrapping kind of stuff like that it gives back to the original series which yeah. i think is is, is awesome you know this is Ricardo Montalban when he has got a big gun and a knife and is let loose. But even Kirk, but it just makes that the fight scene that Kirk and Khan have in the engine room and space scene even more ridiculous now that you look back. It's like, these guys should not be a match for each other in any way. Khan was Kirk still sleepy. Khan was still sleepy. He needs a Red Bull. Going back to that con, he just he it's not his plan. It's not he just kind of gets lucky, and people kind of do ridiculous things. Like here, this will show you how to take over our ship, even though we just found you floating in space and you almost killed right. my doctor. Yeah, and you and no. you look a little no. bit like a, a dictator from you know a hundred years ago that we might want to keep locked up or something. And oh, who would have thought Genghis the Khan keeps going through my head whenever I look at you? Uh, so I, I'm just thinking this, maybe sorry. I should just give you complete access. <laughs> it's just... Cumberbatch is like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's cute. Nothing. Having no effect on him whatsoever. And Kirk is giving it his all. He's well, doing every look, last... I love, I love how tired he is at the end of this. I, I, I love the way that, that Ahura's looking like she steps forward just a second ago and she's like... You've got to stop, otherwise you're going to hurt yourself. yourself. You're going to wear yourself out, you know, dude. You're, you're, you're going to give yourself a, an aneurysm if you carry on hitting this guy, and he doesn't care. He does not care. I do love the uh, the ridges on the jacket that are kind of a throwback to uh, Montalban's uh, oh, yeah. collar on his costume. Yeah. Cuff him. What is that gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> and Spark's like, you want me to cuff him? That was like the thing on Man of Steel where he's like, it makes him feel better if I don't just bust out. Yeah. Now, this is, I want to comment on this especially because I think this is, in terms of, I mean, I love this movie and I don't really think it does very many things wrong, a small few things here and there. One thing I think that was a misjudgment was not with the film itself, but with the pre-release marketing, I think the whole who is this character, is he con or not thing, I think that ended up backfiring on a number of levels because, one, the only people who care whether it's con or not are the precisely the people who are going to be up in arms if the character isn't the way they want it to be. And also, the mystery of the con character doesn't mean it's not important to the people in the movie they don't know who Khan is they have no context for who this character is there's no when he says I am Khan coming up here none of the characters suddenly go oh my god it's you Khan I can't believe it they don't know who he is they have no idea they only find out later oh he's obviously a really big threat we need to take care of him so I think building up the mystery box thing that JJ Abrams likes to do around this was more for the benefit of the people who would go to see the movie. And I think that ended up having wow. sort of the reverse effect. I think it set up a lot of animus towards this film early on, whereas revealing that it was Khan, maybe from the get-go, would have softened some people by the time they went into the theater. I, I just don't think that the Khan, the, who, is it Khan, is it not Khan, is it Gary Mitchell, is it Cyber? Uh, I mean, who cared? At, at the end of the day, it was a mystery that didn't really... The, the revelation didn't really mean much in terms of whether or not you really enjoy this movie or not. Well, you never, I mean, they tried to sell it in a sort of a Kaiser Soze kind of way, but you never had that, 
that twist at the end, you know, it, he either was Khan or he wasn't Khan. It was always going to be that singular character. What? Yeah. You know, there, there was no, there was never any real mystery behind it. Now, I was lucky enough that when I went to see it the first time, I managed to hide myself in a blanket and didn't see any of the pre-hype or anything like that. So when he says the line that comes up, "I am Khan," my jaw hit the floor. Because I'd guessed, but I thought that they were going to go in a completely different way. I thought they were going to try and sell you that it was Khan and then flip it. Because these are the guys that wrote Lost. And I didn't know what the hell was going to happen from one week to the next. So I thought it was going to be like a, you know, a double takes kind of situation where I'd think that it was Khan. And then they'd go, aha, it's not Khan, it's Harry Mudd. Or something, you know, just throw it, throw it around the corner. And they didn't. And when he says, you know, I am Khan, my jaw hit the floor. And I'm like, yes. The real That's mystery the, the real mystery in this film is what's behind Khan being in this movie. The yeah. mystery of the Federation actually sort of engineering this whole damn thing from the beginning and Khan is kind of caught up in it. So the identity of the character was not the mystery here. There's this is a very straightforward film in many ways and setting it up as having some sort of a a big reveal which this movie doesn't have. When he says well, I am Khan, again, it, Kirk doesn't go, "Oh my god," you know. It, it did have a, a huge reveal. Uh, that, that is one of the criticisms that Jared had was it was only for that first crowd or for the crowd that avoided the internet. Because I still remember if fucking Alan hadn't said to us right before in a drunken text message, it's Khan! Because <laughs> well, we, we were going to see it like two days later. I remember watching it in the theater and watching the whole theater go, <gasps> and us missing out on that moment. It was so pissed. Well, and not just that, though. What, what, what I think kind of a, a lot of us are kind of, well, we saw the movie with Pete Lucas, right? Unlike us, Pete doesn't spend time on internet websites finding out whether or not there even is a controversy. He walked into this movie not knowing that there is a question as to who Cumberbatch is playing. As far as he was concerned, he was playing John Harrison. There wasn't a twist coming, so when it happened, it kind of blew his mind. So he had no idea that there's any even question about this, which is what an overwhelming majority of the people who see this movie will see, even people who are not Star Trek fans but who know Wrath of Khan. And have seen Wrath of Khan. So I think it actually is a much better moment for people who don't even know that there's a controversy, which also people decades to come are not going to well, Yeah, when they buy yeah, Because this on, again, the movie doesn't depend on any of that mystery. It has right. nothing, it's it completely. It's completely separate from the film or anything having to do with experiencing with you, you know, the film itself. The, there is no mystery. You know, the, but I think the thing, whenever someone's hired, that's like, oh, who's he going to play? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I made the analog when we did the the intertrekness thing. That you know, at some point you have to get the Joker in there. You know, and and is it going to be this? Is I mean, the mystery for me was going to be: is it going to be this movie or is it going to be the next movie? And the fact that it is Khan in this movie was a an absolute pleasant surprise for me. But I I, I watched it a week before everyone else because well, the I'm, okay yeah, the, I'm lucky. The problem with Khan. The problem with Khan is that he, over the years, has been built up into such a degree. He's become the Joker to Kirk's Batman. I mean, Khan has become the quintessential Star Trek villain. Whether the, and I don't think that necessarily was right. But Wrath of Khan just became this 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 thing on a pedestal, and it, every film, in one way or another, has been judged against Wrath of Khan in one way or another. And certainly, all the villains that have come since then 
been judged against Khan, which is in many ways completely unfair. Uh, because the Khan, that Khan in Wrath of Khan was very specific to that crew, to that movie. There was a design. We want to try and take it back. We want to harken back to the original series. We want to pull in people that we lost with motion picture. It was a very constructed effort to resonate with the fans of the original show. As it just did. Any villain coming after that isn't necessarily going to have that emotional connection, but it could be complex in other ways. Like, I'm a big fan of uh, Chang in, in Star Trek VI. I mean, very constructed uh, villain, but a very interesting one and unique to that movie. I think the, the longer they dodge, the, the, the Khan would always be hanging over Abrams' Star Trek universe forever. If they never addressed it, he would always be hanging out over there. And it's really completely unfair. In a way, I'm sure Abrams and the crew would have much rather never dealt with Khan in, in some respects. But they couldn't. I think they realized at some point they were just going to have to say, you know what, we need to deal with... This is our Batman. We need to deal with... The, yep. We need to deal with uh, the Joker. And they did it. And they did it in such a way that it made it work in their universe. And now they're done with it. Yeah, exactly. Like I said uh, in the in, into Trekness thing, uh, you will always be waiting for Khan until you get it out of the way. There will always be, where is the Joker? Where is Khan? Well, let's see. What everybody's forgetting is this is Space Seed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is not Wrath of Khan, yeah. When yeah. is when is Wrath of Khan going to come in? Oh, hello. Yeah, we won't. Oh, yeah. uh, hello. Well, no, she's he's not dead. So uh, my, Wrath of my... Khan was the last movie. Mr. Sulu. What? The Star Trek 09 structurally is very much like Wrath of Khan. Yes, it's, it is. It's just Nero what, what, is to Spock what Kirk was to, or what Khan was to Kirk. I just, I just, uh, I just mean I want to see this Khan again in another movie in 20 years with Wrath of Khan. But see, you, that's the thing is you don't need to necessarily be 20 years. It could be the sixth Star Trek movie. Right. right. You know, yeah. he's not dead. They can reuse him. Yep. Uh, if they choose to. You know, and, you know what? I would love it if if they like really say fuck you to the fans and it's some uh, historian lady that's fallen in love with looking at him on the outside and opens up his case. Shuttle is standing by, Captain. Well, no, it'd be great. It'd be great. It's like we've lost him. We don't know where he's gone. You know, we, we lost his we lost him. You know, he he disappeared. He could be anywhere. That'd be awesome to see him back again. Yeah, I was I was actually very encouraged that they didn't kill him. Here. I was worried that well, they're going to kill Khan. No, and they actually had to admit it's like it's hard to kill this guy. First yeah, I think, of all, I think they didn't kill him because they couldn't. <laughs> it's like we can knock him out, we can we can detain him, but really, it's hard to kill this motherfucker. And there's so many more just like him, so let's not you know. Well, no, they're going to keep him frozen and then just wake up a different genetic Superman to take on the Klingons. Without without putting a metal bolt through his brain, there's no way of killing this. Well, oh, that wouldn't work. Uh, but you know, phasers are set to disintegrate. You, you could just you could do that. You could kill him. You but... just beam him to nothing. Oh yeah, there's that too. Just beam him out into space, and he's oh! yeah, but he's, he's, all, up he's, all, he's, he's already down. reprogrammed the transporter to beam to Risa. I love this moment. Always one step ahead of you. This, this is another great. He gets lucky. Yeah. Be because he has to make the decision of losing one or both of them. That is his only choice here. And he can't make the choice. Right. He gets lucky again. Yeah. It's, a, it's another, you know, it nails on the fact that he should not be in charge of this ship. He's right. not ready to make the hard choices yet. No, he's, he's not ready at all. Which was a criticism a lot of people had at the end. 
for the first moves. Like, God, Kirk's captain already? Jesus, that didn't take long. Well, well now we're were... seeing the consequences of yeah, that. Exactly. They they deal with that immediately. You know, he is not ready and he oh. should not be in. I mean, the last movie, he was yeah. just in a position of having more yeah. knowledge than anyone else on the ship. So he, he ended up being the captain. And this time around, when he's actually got to make the hard choices, he can't do it. Because Bones should have died there. Yeah, he should have. He absolutely yeah. should have. Because because you have to say, if you can save Carol Marcus, you save Carol Marcus. I'm terribly sorry. You are a military officer. Uh, this is the way it be sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, but so, isn't that just the beginning of the movie? Yeah, I know. And they just hammering it again. Yeah, and well, I mean, Scotty. that's that is what Kurt does. Yeah. All, all the way into the point where he he he. He so won't let other people die, but he's willing to give away his own life. Quickly. He quickly does it. Does it without a thought, because that's how Kirk works. I like this station, and I like Scotty. Yeah. It's odd. I'm not seeing 47s. I've been looking for 47s. I'm not really seeing them. Why? Oh, uh, maybe. Is You're it, right. Maybe this US isn't, this isn't your Star Trek. This isn't for me. You know, I'm not a no, real Star Trek fan. Yeah, you're not a real Star Trek fan. Yeah, it, you're enjoying the movie too much. You can't be a real <laughs> Star Trek fan. Yeah, we were, that's the one thing. Actually, we're at what now? An hour, um, ha- almost exactly at the halfway point on this thing right now. And I, I was worried that this commentary was just going to be about bitching about Star Trek fans. But you know what? Fuck them. I'm enjoying this movie too much. Well, yeah, that, I, I, I it's definitely too, it's don't too, want it's it. It's too good a movie to, to worry about what other people think yeah. about it. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I, I don't want to give them any more time than they've already had. See, I when I when I walked out and I did, I can't remember if I did a review for, for Geek Fights or not, but I walked out and when I left the cinema, this was my favorite Star Trek movie. Because mm-hmm. I just watched it and it was really good and I really enjoyed it and it was a thrill ride and every single moment in it was worthwhile. And I don't think my opinion has changed. Having watched it like, you know, four or five times since then, I don't think that my opinion has changed. I still think that this is, it might not be the best Star Trek movie, but it is my favorite. I would watch this one endlessly because it's so engaging. Man in that torpedo? But I'm not a real Star Trek fan. Yeah. No. Well, that's... You know that's yeah. been the, the the thing. It's just well, like I mean, uh, I'm I'm going to. to I, I think uh, I think they are right. We are not Star Trek fans. We are fans of uh, movies that entertain us and provide us satisfaction, and that's what this movie does. We're fans of quality entertainment. That's the problem, whether it be Star Trek or not. So if you want to say this isn't Star Trek enough. Fine. Okay. Fine. I, still en- okay. I still enjoy it. Go watch Fox Brain, motherfucker. And you know, people like this is to me, like Damon, you don't like Star Trek Four, and Michael, you don't like Star Trek Five. And I, you know, you know, I, I just I like Star Trek. When did I say I didn't like Star Trek Five? I, I, I rail against three. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not crazy about Star Trek Three, but there's, I don't hate it or anything. Oh, I but I'm, but I'm saying I like those movies a great deal. So there's a lot of room. If people don't like this. Right. You know, I get it. There's, there's, there are plenty of reasons not to like this movie. There are some things that it does that are weird kind of conveniences, and and for me, all the Star Trek movies have that. I certainly don't like Insurrection, uh, but everybody in the world hates uh, Star Trek Nemesis, except you know a few people that I know. And I get it. There, I mean, people like Star Trek, different Star Treks for different reasons. 
Brian likes classic Trek more. Brian doesn't really like uh, Next Generation Trek very much. Uh, I mean, not as much, but we all like it to different degrees. So, I'm, you know, that's that's cool. But to kind of say that this is somehow wrong is the thing that just bothers me. Well, I think I remember starting, for me, it was when the fan, this weird fan hate, this sort of uber elitist sort of attitude. And Mike, I seem to recall it for me kind of first affected me was Star Trek when we went and saw Nemesis because when we went into see, we didn't see Nemesis right away. I think as, as I recall, no, no, we I saw, saw it like, I saw it. Uh, was it, did we see it opening night or was it or the weekend? Maybe? Oh, we saw, we saw either opening or we must've seen a preview. I thought we saw a preview. Of okay. Well, I remember we were at the, at the, uh, at the Livonia, yeah. but um, anyway, but, but leading up to it, all we were hearing, was just how much this movie was a disappointment. Well, that's all the, the everything was terrible. The, the script had leaked. Uh, the script had been ripped to shreds online. I mean, this was shaping up to be the biggest disaster in Trek history. We both walked out of that kind of looking at each other like, I'm sorry, what the hell is, what's wrong with this movie? I mean, it was just kind of like, I, I'm sorry, I don't see the hate. I, I didn't understand. And I still don't because I still think Nemesis is a very entertaining movie. I'm not saying it doesn't have problems, but uh, and it was it, for me that was when I began to really first sense the disconnect between no the internet geekdom and reality. Well, it, as far as Star Trek was concerned, it, it's funny. If we're gonna, it, 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 it's weird because people t- and it, and it is the internet. It's the internet that did it because. Had the internet been as full of force as it is now, or was when Nemesis came out, uh, when uh, what do you call Insurrection came out? Because Insurrection constantly gets a pass of being an okay Star Trek movie. Nobody ever talks about it being horrible. Nobody ever talks about it being good. Nobody talks about it. I hear nothing but people talking about being horrible. Insurrection. It's hard yeah. to get worked up over Insurrection one way or the other. I don't care for it, but it's not a film I get passionate like, oh, that movie was really awful. Right. You know? well, the, the, it goes Nemesis. Well, now it's this one that it's horrible, but I hear Nemesis being the worst Star Trek movie of all time until this one. And the, the when you men- mention Insurrection, it is a, the forgotten film that people just forget about. Like, oh, yeah, forget about Insurrection. Yeah, that wasn't very good at all. But it was so, right before the Internet was the Internet. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so in us in us talking, we get to talk about it and talk about it. Well, someone posted online. I thought it was brilliant. What an internet review of Star Trek Two would have been back then. Yeah. And the way they picked it apart, and and ridiculously picked it apart, and did all the things that everyone's been doing to Into Darkness, just proves to me that, yeah, it's the fucking internet. I mean, it's it's the it's this it's this ability for anyone to go out there and how it all feeds on itself after a while. And it, these movies and, and, and God, had we seen a movie like this back in 1982, we our brains would have melted. Um, that ship looks fucking amazing. The Vengeance is a badass movie. It's, <laughs> it really it's, it's is. the it's the oh shit moment of yeah. the movie. It's like. Oh, oh, then they're not getting out of this, are they? Yeah, they're not getting out of this without some serious consequences. Uh, you know, they're not going to walk away from this unscathed. And it's the and it's and it's what leads to Kirk's final realization that he's been handling everything the wrong way. Personally, come to the edge of when the when the Vengeance first shows up and that pan back, that shaky pan 
and back and you see how big it is compared to the Enterprise. You're like, oh. And, that, and that, that's one of those things that they leaked early on. Like, yeah, they did. They and, did. No, and nobody really talked about it. It was always, who's the villain? Who's the villain? And they show yeah. you in that one picture, the villain is this guy. <laughs> Even and though, no one said anything. Nobody said anything. Kirk is the antagonist. Sorry, Khan is an antagonist in the film, no doubt. But this is the this is the true villain of this Star Trek movie. I don't know. I I used to think that, but I don't agree. Really? Why not? He he is the one that kind of sets things in motion, but he's not the villain. Give him to me. Well, he's the darkness. I think the title refers to because he's the one. Without him. Khan's not here doing his thing. I mean, he's the one who sets this whole sad thing into motion. Right, but he is it's setting it into motion for, for good reasons. Start a war but it turns yeah, but wrong. He put right. Those people but, I mean, that's, those that's, it turns wrong because he miscalculated. He thought he could control so, Khan. If he could have controlled Khan, this all would have worked. He, he, well, he, he should have watched Space Seed. He would have known he couldn't have controlled well, Khan. This is a different timeline. Time. He have a copy of it. He's playing you, uh, but, well, <laughs> See, and that's the other thing. In this universe, do they make mention of Khan being a dictator? Yes. No, I don't think they do. Don't think I don't think he do. talks no. about it. He says Khan was a tyrant or whatever. Who does? Mark. Oh, Mark. And I'm sure well, Spock everything that Marcus says it, about uh, Khan the is true. Too. The only well, the only uh, point where Marcus actually is the decision that he would have killed all of these people to cover up his thing, but not killed his daughter. But all have right. a move um, to the So yeah, I mean that right that's really his his real crime is this idea that he would kill a, a ship full of people, not that he would kill Khan and the other people because they were all sentenced to death. Like he says, we're just carrying out what. Uh, they wanted what, to do back what they then wanted anyway. to do back then, which is these people are dangerous. We thought that we were we were better than our 20th century selves and we could handle these people. Turns out we're not. They're still. So he, I mean, Marcus, it's a miscalculation. Noted. He, he was trying to instigate a war with the Klingons. Yeah. Right. Well, and then you know, that, that, is that, that you know he 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 wanted he wanted Kirk to go over there, kill all of Khan's people and start a war with the Klingons at the same time. I don't think there's any good that comes out of that. Um, well, but, you, think you know, the <laughs> argument has been made that both Churchill and Roosevelt knew that the Pearl Harbor attack was coming and let it happen because they needed that thing to put them into war. Oh, by the way, coming up here, this, this may be the most badass moment any ship has ever done to another ship. Yes. Be able to get into warp speed, come up alongside them, and knock their ass out of warp <laughs> just by fi firing on them at warp speed and knocking their asses out of warp. That moment was just, so... This I mean, is such a spectacular effect. I know. Here it is. Y'all, I love this. Well, it's, it's like the Enterprise is safe at this point. They're, they've gone to warp. They're fine. Oh, yeah, hang on. No, not anymore. No, no you can't. No, they're no. not. And it, 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 it cranks up the fact that you know, the Vengeance and Marcus and stuff like that are just... Absolutely overpowered. Where's R2? He's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah R2 yeah. was in there, yeah. There somewhere. But yeah, it cranks up the fact that, that the Vengeance is just 20 times better than, than the Enterprise is. Yeah, well, it is. And, Marcus is, will, and Marcus is willing to do it. He's willing yeah. to kill Kirk. One of them is a vessel of exploration, one of them is a vessel of war. It's the. Um, it's Which the, is the debate that goes on in this movie. Yeah. You know, what is the Federation really at this point? What are they trying to accomplish? Are they are they on a is it a is it a war is it a military operation or is it a peacekeeping operation? 
And they're, you know, are those two things mutually exclusive? Well, I don't. I yeah. don't. Th this this federation is not the same as the one that we would see in the in the prime universe because right, of because Nero. of Nero. Yeah, because, because of Nero. And and, and I think it's one of those things they 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 are constantly hammering home in both of the movies is this isn't the universe that you've seen already. Everything is different. It's not just Nero. Uh, oddly enough, they make they they base they basically flat out say it at the end of this movie with the nine eleven stuff. Mm -hmm. But but it's our world changed on, uh, for at least Americans, maybe the rest of the world on 9/11, and that had to change Star Trek as well. You couldn't uh, you couldn't do Star Trek without addressing the the fact that you know America went to war over some bullshit. Like we we overreacted to things because we thought there was a threat, and that's that's exactly what Carol. Um, Admiral what Marcus. Adam Marcus does, yeah. And and in the early Bush era, right after terrorism, this is exactly it. There, he does absolutely nothing wrong. These people are a threat. These Klingons are a goddamn threat. They're going to hurt us. We have to take them out. I mean, granted, they haven't hurt us yet. Right, but there's also, you know, one of the other things is, is, is you forget the idea that the Klingons are the ones that captured the Murata. Right. So the Klingons have had access to advanced technology, and the Klingons have had an incursion that they didn't expect and probably are more Right. So, you know, that is, this is not... This is this trying is not your to, father's Star Trek. Well, but it's also this is trying to paint a picture of of modern, you know, 2013 world we live in. Yeah. Which, which I think Star Trek I'm really like that. And I really appreciate that actually. I mean, it, Star it, Trek it does that a little bit. You know, originally, you know, with things like Private Little War, but it's a, I mean, 1968 was a very, very different world than we live. Oh, very much so. You, you think about the, the, the big three, you know, um, groups of people that are in the Star Trek universe. The Federation is different because of Nero. The Klingons are different because of Nero. And the Romulans are going to be incredibly different because they're going to know, you know, they, they will they will know that Romulus will be destroyed in a certain amount of time as well, which is going to be an interesting thing to see if they call back to that maybe in the third movie. You know, because you've got a bunch of Romulans who aren't the nicest people in the world ever, knowing that they have a finite amount of time before their world gets destroyed. But one of the interesting oh, things to me, though, and, and this kind of goes back to, um, and, and this has been one of the criticisms of the Star Trek, which I also don't agree with, is even though this is a very different, uh, this is a different timeline, the the difference is they have just kind of come forward. I mean, Section 31, you know, in the prime timeline, did exist. You know, go at least to send some form going back to Enterprise, and the stuff that they pull in Deep Space Nine is uh, is every bit as horrible as this. I mean, yeah, well, the section, it's, it's it's Section Thirty One of the Federation Charter, right? So it's been it's been around since you know the birth of the Federation. So you know, it is this kind of idea that you know the Star Trek that was on in 1968, if you want to kind of you know, play the broader timeline thing. Had a section thirty-one that was doing horrible things. Hell, even in next next generation, they have the admiral that's that's working on the cloaking device. So you know, this movie is just kind of acknowledging the reality of that's what's going on in our world, which they didn't do on television in nineteen sixty-eight. But by the time next generation comes around, yeah, you know, there are some bad admirals, and, and you know, hell, now we live in a. In a, a country at least this, this country and I, I don't know if, if it's quite the same over there where basically the the notion of of trusting your government 
in any way, shape, or form is almost a foreign concept to a large, large. I mean, that, that's not a fringe nut job view. I need you on the bridge. No, that's a mainstream view. We have that more so here recently than, than in the past because we've got a coalition government that nobody voted for. If you know what I mean, that that you know, the, the the vote was split in such a way that two parties grouped together and then they're in power. So nobody actually voted for the government that's in at the moment. So we have even more of a distrust of of leading government figures than we would normally have. And and some I think people... the best science fiction always represents the time in which it was made to a large degree. Well, and, reflects and that's... the social and political values of the of the time because that's that's what was at that moment that's what you can reflect well and that's one of the things that star trek kind of really hammered home and i'm talking about the original series star trek oh, they, very much so yeah and, and then this movie does it and then everybody's like it's not star trek well what's what's interesting i i just kind of realized this now in talking about is is yeah th this is a science fiction that is showing the world kind of the way it is and it, and it's you know, one of the big criticisms is it's not this this future is not true to the the ideals of, of uh, Gene Roddenberry's vision. Uh, but it's also it's kind of going back to what we were talking about with the characters being kind of less iconic and more, you know, for lack of a better world, realistic. So, yeah, this is this is a not a federation that's like, oh, everything's wonderful and we've solved all the world's problems. It's a federation that's saying we're trying to make everything wonderful and solve all the world's problems. But this is this is something that we have to do. This is not something that we are, uh, which makes it kind of more real. So the fact that there is a, a, a dark thing at the heart of Starfleet for some people, that's a violation. But, you know, and another the other well, way that kind of I look at it is about these people I'm injecting kind of finding and defeat that that dark heart gets beaded because people like Kirk do the right thing, because people like Spock do the right thing. And that is kind of, to me, a little bit more resonant than just, oh, no, everything is fine. Is well, we Roddenberry's original vision... He 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 refined it as the years went on. I mean, you look at the original series. There's there's all sorts of problems going on in that universe, and the Federation is hardly flawless. And there's all sorts of problems. By the time you get to Star Trek: The Motion Picture, everything's gotten a little bit blander, safer, nicer. Things are all conformed. I mean, it's it's he sort of bought into his own purified idea of it at some point. And I think the people who've done Star Trek since then have gone back less to what he eventually evolved into, but more of what the original concept was. Yeah, I mean, that criticism was, was laid against Deep Space Nine when it first came out. It was not true to Roddenberry's it's not, vision. But it's, it's, not, it's not true to the vision that they've tried to portray of what Roddenberry actually wanted. I imagine that Roddenberry's vision was that he wanted to sell a TV series. <laughs> yeah. They you know, that, that was... That was to the stars, so... Yeah. The, the, the way that I that, that I can talk down most people who in you know uh, in an argument of, of this particular movie or, or Star Trek 09 is you know it, it's not towards Roddenberry's vision it's like well did you like Deep Space Nine and if you did you lose yeah. because Deep Space Nine is as far away from what you know what people perceive to be the Roddenberry vision which I I, I take with a pinch of salt, to be honest with you, because, like I say, he the guy wanted to sell TV show. He wanted to get paid, you know. And and as dedicated as you are as a writer or something like that, if 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 a studio is turning around to you and saying, "Well, we're not going to buy it unless you do this, this, and this," you'll pick the lesser of two evils. 
and go with it, which he did, you know. Well, I mean, look at the look at the first pilot, the cage, much more cerebral, much more intellectual, much yeah. more of a, uh, a, 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 a thinking man's sort of sign, you know, interpretation of what, you know, the future might be. But what happened? Well, we liked some parts of it, but we got to sex it up a little bit. We got to get someone more charismatic in there. And there's got to be some tits and there's got to be some shooting and, you know. Basically, basically, dumb it down a little bit. Get rid of the chick who's second in command and we've got a seller, you know, and that's yeah. what he did. You know, so it, it's interesting to see how the... I think the best thing about Star Trek and whether Roddenberry intended it or not, and I think he deserves full credit for everything that he did for the show, but Star Trek has evolved into something that can be many different things and yet at the same time still quintessentially part of the same concept. And I, I think I think that's good. I think that's a good yeah, thing. I, I mean, I think uh, I would argue that, that Deep Space Nine is still very much true to that vision. It's just how that vision is presented. Again, it's the difference between a people who have achieved something and a people who are in the process of achieving something. And the idea that, that and you know, for me, that is something that is more applicable to, to the world that we live in. I mean, we're never going to have a real utopia because that's kind of not a real thing. I mean, it's something that's that not you, human nature. You always yes, have, Captain. but it's something that you never achieve. It's something you constantly have to work towards. And the working towards it is the Launching is the noble part, and that's what these people are doing. They're not. They're trying to make the, the world and the universe a better place. And yeah, these are not sometimes. cynical people. The people in this yeah. movie, the, 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 these are not cynical of humanity's fuck. These are people who are striving to make things better, and that was very much Roddenberry's kind of concept. Right. I mean, it, it's it's executing it in a different way, and 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 I get if people don't like this way, that's then fine. They probably mm -hmm. shouldn't watch it. Just like I know plenty of people. Who, who stopped watching Star Trek with uh, Next Generation because it wasn't, you know, what they wanted out of Star Trek. And if it's not what you want, you know, don't watch it. Right now, hell, it, there's, there's enough genre fiction on that if you avoided Star Trek for the rest of your life, there would still be more stuff to watch than you could possibly want, including all the, the I, stuff. I don't get, I guess at the end of the day with this movie in particular... If you don't like it for because you don't like action movies or you think there's too much going on in this movie or any other number of criticisms, which I may not agree with, but you could apply to this movie and its its own intents and its own failures and successes, that's fine. But to criticize it for not being the thing that you like or would want it to be, I think is completely unfair. Uh, it, it's, it does not... Expectations can be a bitch, and I think if you go into any film saying it better do this, 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 and this, and it better do such and such, well, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, what matters is what the filmmaker set out to do, and that's really the only yardstick by which you can judge anything. And I don't understand. I guess I think we've gotten into a point where there's a lot of entitlement out there, and a lot of people who are very much of the, well, this better measure up to what I you know, have experienced throughout my life with this thing or fuck them. And that's, that came back to bite this movie on the ass so big. And it was completely unjustified. Don't like it for the right reasons. That's fine. If you can come up with, I didn't buy the performances. I thought the plot was too much. It was way too much action for me. It's not my thing. Perfectly fine. I can have an argument with you, but to say it's because, well, it's not like the trick I grew up with. Then go watch the trick you grew up with. I mean, I, I do get it, though. I mean, it is the idea that, that something that you like has been kind of taken away from you. And, uh, I, I mean, I get it. 
but has it been taken away from you? Well, you yeah, still no, have you, the you thing you love. Right, but there's no more of it. I mean, yeah, just, just because so I've had a pizza, that doesn't mean I don't want to have more pizza in the future. Scotty, Not the same pizza. Um, just, to it, just to put it back to the movie, this, this space flight thing is one of the most... For, for a scene where I know exactly what will happen at the end, I yeah. know exactly what's going to happen. It is the most harrowing action scene that I've ever watched in a movie theatre. It's bizarre. Right. Spectacular it's, it's strange. It's, yeah. it's, it's strange how... So strong. I mean, it's yeah, just it's, um, that room, by the way, is uh, where the Spruce Goose was built. And, oh, so yeah, the hangar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's all lighting, no digital effects. Well, that was one thing about the special effects I wanted to really give Abrams a lot of credit for, is that he's a director who looks at it and goes, what is the best way to make this look good? He's not one of those yeah. guys that's like, let's just shoot this all in a green screen room and we'll make it look good in post. Well, he asks the questions of the people around him, and if, and if yeah. the you know the visual effects you know supervisor says a sock puppet would look good, he goes right sock puppet it is. You no, know, Peter and, Jackson's and, the same way, Spielberg's yeah. the same way, Cameron is ironically the same way. I mean the thing, what I loved about there's a scene coming up here at the very end where Khan is fighting uh, Spock outside on the top of the ship, and it, it relates back to the the thing on top of the drill in Star Trek the 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 O nine one where they're fighting the. Uh, on top of the, uh, the the drill that's drilling into Vulcan. One thing I've always hated is when they don't film shit like that's supposed to be outside, they film inside a studio. But they actually film that shit outside and it feels like it's outside. It yeah. actually feels like it's an exterior. And that yeah. adds so much realism to those scenes. Well, it's, and it's real real wind and real dust and dust real and the dirt sun is not and, and the sun yeah. isn't always perfect on their faces. It's an it's uneven at times because that's how it is when you're outside. And most filmmakers never do that. They never take the time to go, No, we need to shoot this outside because it's gonna give us that something that we are just we can't replicate inside. And they and they've done that many times. I mean, they filmed that whole thing in the drill in uh, Star Trek 09 at the parking lot of Dodger Stadium. So it's just like, but they got that feeling of being outside. Now here's another point: a lot of people just ripped apart having old Spock show up. I love the Spock to Spock conversation because the only person in this universe that they have now that could make Spock understand what he's dealing with is Spock. Right. There is uh, other than other than Admiral Marcus, maybe, but he's yeah, not going to get the answers yeah. out of him. The only person who can go, you have um, no idea what you're dealing with, and you you're going to have to think outside the box, and you're going to have to think this way and that way, and all that sort of stuff, is is having this conversation, and it's perfect. And I, I love I love I love Nimoy when he's like, you know, we agreed never to speak of uh, your future because it could affect future events. That having been said, that motherfucker <laughs> killed me. He oh, killed oh, me. You said, I'm going I'm to make an exception in this case because this guy's a motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. And and that's how. I mean, I, I don't think that Nimoy, uh, the, the Nimoy Spock, would have to say anything more than, "Okay, we'll talk about this." For for Spock to know that it's a big deal, and he really, really needs to do something about it. You know, I actually have a, a bit of a problem with Spock's decision not to tell them, because the whole premise is built on. You know, this will infect the timeline, but the timeline's already been infected, and clearly, uh, well, Khan's not going to kill you in the future because things are happening right. differently. So, uh, well, why fuck it, why him? should he t tell him everything? Well, Mike and I actually came up with a couple days ago an idea of shooting a, a, a deleted scene for this movie where Spock tells Spock everything that happened and all the previous universes. Like, oh, yeah, Every there's episode. this. Yeah, there's yeah, this. 
a guy called Cisco who who turns yeah. up and he's a prophet. Oh, yeah, and you're gonna come like, across yeah. some space hippies. Don't pick them up. Just, they're really weird. They're gonna die by the end anyway. Just let the ship. Yeah, just, oh, you may want to go get some whales. I'm, don't ask. Just go get some whales. Go get some whales because there's a stick and ball thing out there. It's coming. We can't stop it. You're gonna. It's gonna be a bitch. I really do want Star Trek Four to be stick and ball. <laughs> But I want Benedict Cumberbatch to uh, play it the minute we get to that. Yeah, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch as the stick. Of- that was my guess as to who the character was. I thought he was the uh, pipe and soccer ball from uh, uh, Star Four. From now on, Benedict Cumberbatch is the villain. How about that? Just from now on. Just yeah, he's, he's always, always the villain. Hell, like he'd a make doctor, a great a Dr. Claw uh, kind of character. Yeah. Chang. He'd make a great, he'd make a great Gary Mitchell. I still say that. Good Cyborg. Yeah. And I love that God he takes Khan down here. But he yeah. doesn't. He no, doesn't he just, just just immobilizes him for a few minutes. Or does he? Because when they shoot him with that. a phaser later, it doesn't do anything. Excuse me. Well, maybe Khan's he just fucking with he's him. Playing, he's playing possum. Right. Like, that's like, the great I'll, thing I'll about this like character, him. the way it's like, you never really get a full handle. And Mike's right. Was he being sincere about the loss of his crew? Was he not? Was it just all an act? Does he give a shit? Does he not give a shit? We'll never really know. I yeah. didn't well, notice I, that. I, this is the I, first I, time I've ever seen that. What? Uh, he's on the ground and his he eye, looks up. He, he, yeah. his eyes open. I didn't I, see I that think, before. I think that, that, that Khan's motives change as the movie goes on. While he's lying on the floor right now, the only thing that he wants to do is kill Marcus. Yeah. His crew be damned. You know, himself be damned. He just wants to get to him, and and Marcus pop his head horribly. He just the sound effect. If you think about it. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, we 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 I uh, my the the wife was saying you know she, could we take Amelia to go and watch this and I'm like head squishing, and then <laughs> it's like no you can't I can't take her to go and watch it just because of Marcus's head squishing because it's so it's violent. It, it, it's it's the sound effect and then when she screams yeah it's like oh I didn't need to see it I didn't need to see it because you know what he did it's like ugh I I think the moment coming up right now where he takes her down. Yeah. Here, let me bust your leg. Yeah. Oh, just like. But see, now he's Montalban. Yeah. yeah. Now he's yeah. full con. He doesn't have to hide behind any yeah. pretension. But, like I say, there, there is nothing else going through his head right now than doing this. You know. <laughs> he doesn't care about anything else. God, everybody looks at him like that's the most disgusting. But then thing immediately ever. he's like, "All right." Give me my people back. We're going to have the most badass ship, and we're the most badass people. And guess who's now in charge? Yeah. Was was this a plan? I mean, did he blow up the thing, thing knowing that they that, that stuff would happen like this? I think I don't He's, think Khan could have predicted be. several key events, but I think he knew how to ride with the shit really, really yeah, well. Oh yeah, because this is not a part of the plan. Smarter than all of us. Be, uh, you know how you know it's not a part of the plan because of the uh, how many torpedoes do you have? Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know how that they were going to yeah. be on the ship. I surrender. But right, but that—that's what he was hoping that they would do, and they did it. We have no transport. Well, it, it's it, always maybe, two steps. Khan is always a step. And ahead. that's the thing: is maybe he maybe. did, maybe he's not. We I don't, don't think he, I don't think he knew anything until he ends up on the Enterprise, and when he ends up on the Enterprise, he is able to manipulate the situation to be where he is now because he's that much smarter and that much better than anybody else who's on the ship. Yeah, because you know he did know the vengeance was coming. Yeah, he knew everything. He knew everything as soon as, soon as he worked out that Marcus had sent them. He knew what was going to happen. I think it's like I think it's like playing a game of chess. He knows the moves all the way out, but he knows there's at least ten different ways the game can go, and well, yeah. he's prepared for pretty much all ten of them. Yeah. 
So he's just, I mean, and again, I, enough cannot be said about how good Cumberbatch is in like, this role. Just, just every time he is giving a diatribe to Spock or Kirk or anything like that, I feel a fear of him. You know, it, it's, yeah, it's it's a wonderful it's cold. performance. It's, it's just yeah, so exactly. Cold and, uh, and, and, and he, it's funny, he's just genetically in, in superhuman, but he's more inhuman than anybody else in, around him. I just think it's an amazing performance. And he was, whether he was, you know, the whole argument, well, the race of Khan is different. Who gives a shit? If you got somebody this good in that part, I, get, fuck what he was supposed to look like as compared to the original show. They picked the best actor for this role they could have ever found. I don't Benicio Del Toro. I don't know how he could have pulled it off. <laughs> I think it would have been interesting. I think it would have been, been different. He, he would have been too too intense the whole time. Whereas you know Cumberbatch could give those moments of calm that would, you know, Del, Del Toro is a, a wonderful actor, and I, but I just think that he would be too much. And there's something about Cumberbatch's like countenance that. and his eyes that even when he's quiet, you just see there's something else going on. I think yeah. I think uh, it would have been a little bit closer to. Uh, Montalban's comedy. Yeah, I think so too. Because it, it would have been more uh, more charismatic and uh, less uh, just yeah, a sort of like pur- a, a purring sort of um, delivery. The torpedoes. How much time, Lieutenant? And now we're coming up to the next part of the film, which has become the most controversial aspect of this film, bar none. And it's the part where I think people who even. There's possible there may have been a lot of Star Trek, these so-called real fans, who might have gone into this movie and actually have been enjoying it for a large degree up to this point. But coming up is a scene yeah, which a lot of I people think were taken out. Pissed, really pissed off by. I mean, really, and I can understand it so to some degree, but I think once we get into it, it looks me why I don't agree with the reasons that people have used it to beat this movie over the head with. Doctor Marcus. The whole thing with Khan's blood, though, is one aspect I have a little issue with. It's a little vaguely defined, because if Khan's blood can bring people back to life and cure all diseases, keep this shit on hand at all times. Uh, remember, it doesn't bring people back to life. Well, Kirk was dead. Mm, uh, he's, he was dead by our standards, but not by their medical standards, because if you remember, they, they froze him. They do put him on a cryo tube. Yeah, they keep him in a cryo tube to keep his brain functioning. Well, that's true, but it's still the, the Khan's blood will. It, I mean, it's a cure all now for everything. Well, no, no one even has to get that hurt. And actually, that's one thing that I I wonder if uh, if that's something that was kind of left out a little bit because the little girl at the beginning, we don't really know what's wrong with her, right? But her hair falling out is consistent with like radiation type situations. Right. So I mean, it may be just a range of things it can cure i mean again uh, it's a minor thing with me right. but it does stick with me a little bit i wish it had been a little more defined so it doesn't seem too much like a you know like a, a cure-all just well, it to is. save the, the it is a, that's you're, you're, it's a magic potion yeah you're, and you're, it, def- it's, you're, you're defined in a world where you know a doctor gives you a pill and you grow a new kidney right. this is the world that we're in at the moment so it has no, to no, be that's so, a different had... timeline that maybe they don't have that magic pill now oh, yeah. but maybe, maybe that magic pill is Khan's blood. It's Khan's Maybe, blood. Maybe, yeah. Because McCoy must have taken a sample in Space Seed, right? Well, yeah. not, <laughs> not just Space Seed. I mean, in general, maybe that universe dealt with the, you know, 
the they, augments they, differently. It, yeah. It's clear that yeah, Khan might have been a despot, and they you know knew about him as a historical figure, but maybe they they really did take the no genetic engineering whatsoever to heart, and they didn't do anything with it. Well, remember in uh, in Deep Space Nine, there's a big controversy when Bashir is revealed to be genetically engineered, and that causes a huge problem. Yeah. Chris, so that was, was you the- that was arguing that their prohibition against genetic engineering is kind of wrong. Uh, yeah. I say no. You should be genetic engineering. You shouldn't make Superman, but you was I the only <laughs> What's one? A I'm Superman? curious. I, 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 I have not discussed this with you guys. Did anyone else think that the Enterprise might actually bite it in this movie? Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I, 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 I was. Thought it, oh yeah, I thought it, I thought it, it might too. See, I, the first time I saw one of the promotional, the, one of the trailers and stuff like that, it's got the scene where the Vengeance crashes right. into stuff. And you didn't know that was the Vengeance. I, I right. thought it was the Enterprise, and I right. thought the Enterprise was going to go down. Well, I thought it going into the water, but then you also saw the Enterprise coming out of the water. Right. So I thought yeah. it was possible that those two things were related. But then when you see the Enterprise coming out of the water at the beginning, then you go, oh, I guess it's crashing into the water sometime later in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, not the, knowing the ads were misleading in a number of ways, which is the best thing you can oh, say yeah. about any ad. Is it just sets you up for something maybe that's not really true. Well, and again, the ads are everyone examine those ads. The Enterprise, I don't believe, does the Enterprise ever go into space in this movie? I love Chekhov coming oh, yeah. in last second. The red shirt saving the other guy. Yeah. There are a lot of red shirts that die in this movie. Oh yeah, God! There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of everybody who dies in this movie. Yeah, no one. Yeah, a lot of regular people on the ground fucking die in this movie. Yeah, that was actually one of the most kind of disturbing things in the theaters when we get to. Uh, oh yeah. You know, the the ship kind of coming in for the crash. I thought just sort of had kind of a haunting 9/11 vibe to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You I mean, know, this whole thing ship is pretty a much weapon. a 9/11 parable in many ways. But, oh, yeah. so, and that one really drove it home. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, just, this is—is is this movie a, a large-scale critique of American foreign policy? I believe it is. In so, many uh, ways, I think so. And and that is very stark. That—that's why this is very like, much a chickens coming home to roost type of thing here in this movie. So that's why I know. liked Star Trek Six more than oh. two because Six had a very topical. You know, glasnost. You know what's up with the Russians thing, uh, and this has kind of a very you know when you you know back the uh, the bad guys, it comes back to haunt you thing. And this movie has had the reverse effect for me of actually making me like Wrath of Khan less because of all the it's not Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan is this great thing, and this movie tries to rip it off. And I keep trying to tell people Wrath of Khan is great, but it is not the greatest goddamn movie ever made. And it is, it has as many problems as this movie has. You simply choose to ignore them. Oh, yeah, go I go listen to uh, yeah like that right now. We're starting yeah, you know the, the con the this yeah is here we go Wrath of Khan. Well, what's funny is I remember somebody was talking about this, not this specific scene, more the the death scene later, and you know it'll, it'll come up about how the resonances are different. And uh, somebody on, on a podcast I was listening to was actually said, well, it, it, it rips off the other scene, but it doesn't have any of the nuance, which prompted the other person to respond with, there was absolutely nothing in Wrath of Khan that you could describe as nuance. Nuance. <laughs> <laughs> that phrase does not come up. Anything but nuanced. No, and that's not necessarily a criticism no. of Wrath of Khan. No, but it's, it's just not a particularly nuanced... I mean, it's all out there in the open. It's well, very clear. Shatner Star Trek is is broad melodrama. When you get to Next Generation, it becomes a different kind of 
of melodrama, and then this is yet a different kind of melodrama. They all look and feel and move. And like this, this feels like a great way to save a ship rather than in Wrath of Khan, you pop the top off the thing and you swirl things around. (laughs) This is big and grand and epic. So people who are mad that they're doing it, just like there are people who are like, well, you you can't do a cover version of Stairway to Heaven because only that band can do it. And there are songs like that, and there, but there's always someone who's still going to cover it, right. uh, well, and th- that's this, what this, this is. This is like a cover tune of Wrath of Khan. This, this scene feels like Kirk could kill himself trying to fix the ship, even if it wasn't a radiation-filled chamber. Yeah. You know, he could he could slip and break his neck. Yeah, you but know, even even, the, even if it wasn't the fact that you know if it, they weren't trying to, even if it had nothing to do with radiation and he wasn't getting his brain fried at the moment, he could probably you know oh, yeah. hurt himself just doing it. And just the effort with this kicking, 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 oh, yeah. kicking uh, will it's, it's, again? It's worse. taking. It's this taking. Is great. Everything. I mean, this is so dramatically satisfying because the music's building up, and and there's a point where I'm thinking, Kirk, if I'm able to believe at this point, Kirk might not make this happen. Yeah, it's working because I was convinced. I was like, I don't know if he's going to be able to move this fucking thing. Yeah. Well, and that's like you know this this is structurally you know all paralleling Wrath of Khan. But it's doing it in, in a bigger, broader, more epic way. And, you know, for me, it's like, well, why not? Why is that a bad thing? I mean, yeah. the tone is going to be different. Wait, wait for it. Wait yes. for it. Yeah. Oh, the greatest shot. Yeah. Just like, help, we're falling. Oh, my God. This, I mean, I mean, I, you have no idea. Wow. Oh, I was, I, British cinemas are relatively, um, you know, low key and stuff like that, but and then it rises this, up mo- out of the this clouds. moment here, there, there's an audible yeah from everybody <laughs> in, the, in the cinema, and like, like you, you have, you would have no idea how quiet it is when we're watching movies over here, but that rises up and the whole, the whole, you know, room is like yes, even <laughs> That's though when you know you've got though, yeah, even though we know that there's no way that the Enterprise is going to crash with everybody on board, you know. If you can still make a moment like that work, even yeah. though the audience knows what's going to happen, then you've gone to a winner, you know. Yeah, you've made it work. I mean, it's, yeah. And I love again Spock now running, mm-hmm. again because this this is now Spock's journey. Yeah. This is it, Kirk's story. It, Kirk has resolved. It kind of resolved. We've Kirk has finally come full circle, and that he's realized that his approach to captaining was wrong, and that he has to be a certain way in order to be a captain. Now it's Spock's turn. To realize that there's he can he, the the death of Vulcan and everything shook him to a degree that he wasn't able to really fully come to terms with it, and now finally being seeing his friend behind the glass, unable to reach him. I mean, I just thought I, I'm watching this going, what a really clever way to tackle Rathacon without it being anything having to do with Rathacon, really. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be the thing that really gets people the most is these two guys talking on the other opposite sides of the glass saying similar but not exact things and and yeah i mean the the big complaint is the reason it worked in wrath of khan is because they it was an end of a 25 year friendship and that's not earned here but i think it to me it was obvious and you know i've heard other people say it so i think a lot of people get it 
that this is not about the end of a friendship. This is about the beginning of a friendship. Right. The yeah. problem with Wrath of Khan is that scene doesn't work unless you understand the emotional connection between those two. With this movie, I think it actually doesn't require that. I think because people bring their 25-year emotional connection to it, they're reading this in a different way than it was intended. Yeah, this is Spock finally realizing he cares for this man. He can care for someone and that he doesn't realize what he's about to lose. I mean, this is, again, the the performances in this movie are just absolutely dead on. And, and Quinto right now, yeah. has brought so much to the Spock character that I think he's sort of the uh, the hero of this whole thing for me in many ways. Because what a daunting task to take on Nimoy and the incredible legacy he's left with that character. And yet he is found thanks to Abrams and the writing and everything and the directing, but he Quinto has found some wonderful notes to play with this character to make this Spock fresh and interesting and yet still quintessentially Spock. And I think that's what, what people are responding negatively to is that this is not Nimoy's Spock. Yeah. Um, and if you want Nimoy's Spock, you're disappointed There's- in this. Yeah. If you Which, want to see something else or if you're open to seeing something else, uh, this is this is kind of very different. And, you know, and Damon, I think you and I have talked about this before, how this is something that I think comic book fans get. Yeah. Because Star Trek fans have never really had to face this before, where a new, like with comic fans, it happens Certain, not even just with reboots, but even with the change of, of creative teams, um, you will get different interpretations of the same character. And this is a different interpretation of the character Spock. The, now, here coming, this is the moment that people, some people just lose it. They, they, the the con yell from Spock, I think, still divides people 50 yeah. 50. Even supporters of this movie, some people still really don't have any. I didn't because I, again, I understood the context of why he was yelling it out. But for some people, it's like, who doesn't have the resonance when Kirk said it? And I think, Mike, you put it best when you said, well, when Kirk said it, he said it because he was going to be delayed two hours. Yeah, he was. That, that Somebody did say that, that it means something in Wrath of Khan. And it actually doesn't. It's just, right. in Wrath of Khan, it's a dramatic moment. But he's not well, even this, really frustrated this, because it's all going according to plan. This is the this is the start. Uh, it, it's the, the 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 starting point of the only thing that can stop Khan is an angry Vulcan. Yeah. Well, no, no, and, an angry Vulcan, a woman with a phaser hitting him a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Ex- exactly. But but when I when I first saw this scene I did, in, in in the theater, I I sat back and went, well, it's a bit. It's a bit Rafa Carney, and then I thought, "Now, nah, well played, well played, JJ. You, you've done that. You've done that really well because I, you, you, you have just... to you have to let that scene. You have to view that scene as part of this whole movie and not just a homage or a ripoff of Wrath of Khan because it isn't that. It's a scene in a movie that is a you know about Spock really. You know, it, like you say, Kirk, Kirk's journey has finished now." He's he's learned his lessons and Spock hasn't learned his yet. But I think and it also damn, there's is, some people dying in this shot. <laughs> there also oh my is God. A, not, not even Superman has killed that many people. <laughs> there is a well, there the old, is a the bit old of old next snapper himself yeah. of fan service to him yelling Khan. Yeah, there is unquestioned. But the thing is, I don't I didn't hear anybody complaining about fan service 
the multiple times McCoy has said, I'm a blank, not a blank, or, or any of the other or, sorts of things. I mean, there's, there's triples lying around everywhere. Yeah, there is a reboot is in essence fan service. Fan it's service, just, yeah. It's, it's hey, hey, these things that you liked, well, we can't keep giving them to you because the actors are all old, but here's something that's like it. And here's more terrifying con. I'm going to jump this, this, a hundred feet. I like how even there's that brief second of, can I do this? Can I, I know I'm genetically engineered, but can I survive this shit? But that one shot when the vengeance is just wiping out all oh, yeah. of those buildings, it's like, uh, the Federation just took some hits today, folks. <laughs> we just lost a lot of people here. I do. I love that. Uh, like Spock, Spock just wants him now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's got nothing to do with the fact that he's just leveled most of Federation headquarters or anything. He just like that. wants Khan's ass. He wants ass. to kill him. Well, he wants to walk back on with Khan's severed head in his hand. Exactly, because, and because Khan is, it, it, it's his release. It's everything. It's Vulcan blowing up. He's him losing his friend. It's everything. And it's all focused well, no, on this Khan, man. Khan, yeah. Khan, Khan is a little bit Nero in his yeah. eyes, you know. It, yeah. ev everything has all come together, you know. Even, even I mean, I, I know it's just a visual thing, but the long overcoat that he's wearing at the moment, from the back, he might look a bit Nero-ish, you know? So he's after yeah, him. He's the culmination of everything that has gone wrong in Spock's life over the past couple of years. I mean, he's just, it, it's the... So he's focused everything he has on this because that's all he has left at this moment, really. And did you notice like say, that the uh, phaser is on kill? It is yeah. not oh, yeah. done. Yeah, it's, 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 he's going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah, he, he wants he wants to kill him. And uh, the only, like I said before, the only thing that can counter the most terrifying person that I've ever seen in a Star Trek movie is the most terrifying person that I've ever seen in a Star Trek movie, <laughs> and that's and that's Pissed angry Spock. Not to pissed off, Jesus. Fuck, but I am I mean, going to annihilate this motherfucker in ways that no person will be able exactly. to watch. You you, you see him when he's a little bit peed off in um uh I can't remember what the hell episode it's called. Well, like when Kirk angers him on the bridge in the last movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and and stuff like that. Yeah, in the in the last movie and uh, a mock time and things like that. You see him where he's a little bit peed off. This is not that. This this is I will catch him and I will kill him. And it's terrifying. Even Spock, you know, Spock to be scaring people is something that's entirely new. <laughs> yeah, because when, when Hora is like, when she when Spock's wailing, it's like, she has to yell, will you stop or Kirk will die? That's the only thing that would get him to stop at that point. So uh, this scene, if I don't know what special features you have, but they, they, they actually show what they did. They built a rig that is on a uh, that that moves in a 360 degree thing, harkening ba uh, back to uh, what you said earlier about filming outside. They filmed yeah. it outside and they turned it with the sun as they needed it. Yeah, which, which is amazing. Kind of yeah, just and it looks like it's that. outside. It is, just looks real. Is the way that this movie is shot and the performances in it and the style of it is very very much more realistic you know quote unquote than than what you get with uh mo with other star trek movies and part of that is budget but i think a lot of that is also just kind of a, a willing aesthetic uh of it being more kind of broadly cartoonish um and i think it's interesting here that we get that going on here in this modern star trek you know the way that we see that happening in uh, in Nolan's Batman, I mean, it's very, very. Uh, it looks more real visually. It looks like it's happening in a world that we could walk around in, 
and the characters behave and interact in ways that are much more identifiable, yet still it's got this extraordinary, unrealistic story, which is where the kind of unreality mm-hmm. comes in. And it's just this interesting kind of aesthetic that, that you're seeing Star Trek now evolving into. Um, you know, Battlestar Galactica had that. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just this kind of modern aesthetic that, and I think a lot of people react negatively to that too, because it's like, this is different. This is not the thing that I like, um, which it isn't. But, you know, it, it, for me, it's still kind of interesting to see Star Trek evolving in that way. I, I love the moment where Spock tries the Vulcan neck pinch and Khan's and like, work. fuck off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's working, but Khan... Not enough to take his too, ass down. It's too much. It's yeah. too much. Remember, that shit worked on a horse. Yeah. You can't take down an enraged con with a damn neck pinch. It ain't gonna yeah. happen. But then, then you have the moment where he tries. You know, he does a mind meld, and that gets to Khan enough that he, you know, stops trying to squish his head for a second. <laughs> you know, Spock yeah. is using everything. Everything in his he's got, and, yeah. and it's not enough. I love, you know? I love that that's Khan's finisher, by the way. <laughs> his head crushing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's really nasty. I'm gonna fuck with you a while, then I'll crush your head. How many times did she shoot him here? Like three times? Three, four, five, five, five? And he doesn't go down. Four, two, five, six. You you are ahead of us. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No, that, that okay, good. yeah. Yeah, eight <laughs> times like that? Yeah. And he's still not done. He's no, still, he's, he's still oh, he cracked his arm, though. He got a look. But I, uh, the only thing that would have stopped him at this point is like if Khan could save Kirk somehow. Yeah. And watch how quickly it stops him. I love it. It's just like. But then just one more oh, okay, punch. we're good. Bam. Yeah. That having been said, can I just punch him one more time? He smiles. He Aww. smiles. I love that. And then you get white, white suit McCoy. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I dare you to do better. Little pike in the audio there. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. I dare you to do better. Look at the uh, the detail on the on Kirk's shirt. It's all the little Starfleet emblems all making up that pattern. It's like that on the regular shirts too. Yeah. that's the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's just, just like, a level of detail. It's like McCoy's like, oh, you weren't that dead. Come yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> See, I, I, I've, I've, I want I've more of this. I've cured deader people. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, again, I, well, I do, like I, I do agree like... with you. I, I could have a whole movie of just McCoy. Yeah. I really could. I mean, but like I say, you, you could do that with any episode of TOS True. or any of the TOS movies. It's There's like, a it, reason you give you me 90 minutes of McCoy here. and I'm happy. Yeah. I remember in the first movie when Carl Urban showed up and he was, it's like, oh my God, he, DeForest Kelly is not dead. In the shuttle, when they're taking off, I, when I was first watching it, it's like, that. that's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, if there's one character that, that that you could get away with mimicking exactly what they were like. But it's on not the, like he's it's, imitating him. It's not like he's doing an impression no, of DeForest no, Kelly. It's, it's, not, it's just, it's just, he's reborn. It's bizarre. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's, it's really interesting how that's... And he's the only one. He's the only one out of the cast that's really yeah. doing that. Everybody yeah. else is kind of giving a different take. He's basically giving the same take, but... He's Carl his, Urban his as DeForest Kelly as Bones. I love, and I love it. Si- I love it. Simon Pegg is uh, a Canadian doing a Scottish accent. That's not <laughs> I love this speech. We are here this is a very... I mean, again, 
when was the, would you have ever expected a Trek movie to end like this? Have a scene like this at the end of it? Yeah, you know what's a interesting? Very somber, very moving speech. And Kirk, I love about this. Kirk is in the right place at his life to make this speech. This this is a changed Kirk. This is not the one from the beginning of the picture or the end of the last movie. This is a man who's learned something. You know what was really interesting about that last scene? Hats. First time I've <laughs> yeah, ever seen a lot of hats. hats. Yeah. See, I mean, seriously, hats. have they ever had hats with the uniforms before? Nope. No, they've never. And you brought that up before. It's just, yeah. and you really obsessed over the hats. So I'm kind of worried about you that no, that I means mean, so that, much. I just thought that was interesting. And most naval uniforms do have some variant yeah. where they have a hat, and you've never seen that yeah. in Star Trek before. And now we got hats all over the place. I think that, again that shows the level of detail. That they're good. Smiling, the Shatner walk on, and then I love the the uh, McCoy's Start reaction to, to five years space. in deep space. Isn't that right? <laughs> it's like, oh, dear God, nice <laughs> Damon, I thought that was you on the right hand side there. I, it looks so much like you. Well, uh, you know what it is. Uh, <laughs> here, let you guys know I was in a Star Trek movie the whole time. Excellent. That would be funny if you somehow got in and you didn't tell any of us, and then we're just watching. It was like. What the fuck are you doing in here? Surprise! Please tell me you, please tell me you die. <laughs> I was in Star Trek. No, I'm still closer than any of you fuckers to being in Star Trek. But that's very true. I will not argue with that. Yeah. But yeah, that was not me. No. But you have to admit that guy does look a lot like you. Yeah, he does. As a mission of this duration, this, this scene it, is incredible in the way that I'm like, I, I let, let's go then. I, I, even when I was in, you know, after having sat down in in the movie yeah, theater, let's, let's see another the, movie. It's like, like, come on, then let's go with them. Let's go and see what they well, find. This, out. Just, this I, really I want, does I want set to up. carry on, you know. And it, and and it it makes me think that I want to carry on, but it's not in the way of you know, oh, they're just trying to get more money out of me by putting me, you know, making me want to go and see a sequel. It's not that. It's like I want to go and see these guys' next adventure. I want to follow it through to the point where Sulu is the captain. You know, I, I want to see this crew get to where the you know the original TOS crew got to. Yeah. Well, what's going to be interesting is now they've set it up. They really have gotten the characters to a point they've gotten rid of so much baggage with this movie and also with the first movie and i you know look i don't want to start saying well the next one better be like this but i would think that the next movie would almost have to be an exploration film not a revenge picture not a uh yeah a film that deals with uh, federation politics or anything it's going to be interesting to see where they go with the third movie because they really can go from this point on. They really truly can go anywhere they want. It'd be, it'd be great to have a movie where it's like you will <laughs> not believe what what Kirk and Spock have found. Fuck that! You I know, want Klingon. You, you will not believe. Fuck it! I want Klingon. Or yeah. or we'll just go with what Mike says. Fuck it! I want Klingon. Actually, you know what I thought would be really interesting? <laughs> What's that? Because uh, that's that's like because some people are that is was the complaint of this movie is that it's. Not it. It's not going forward. We thought at the end of the last movie we were going to have something totally new. In a lot of ways, I don't entirely want new. Mm-hmm. I want new takes on what I've seen before, and that might be a minority opinion. It might not. But I'm curious to. See, we've seen what they, what what these people have done reimagining Kirk and Spock and and the Enterprise and Captain Pike and now Khan. I am curious to see how they reimagine some things going forward. Mm-hmm. For sure, so yeah, yeah, I don't want like when I said I want Klingons, I don't necessarily mean I want them to redo Star Trek Six or Day of the Dove or any of that. 
but I want to see their, their take on on that sort of thing. But you know one thing that I thought would be interesting, and again, it gets to start mixing things that we've never seen mixed before, but in this altered timeline, you could find justification for, and I'm not saying in the next movie, I'm saying I hope there's, you know, six of these, like there were of the original Trek. Mm-hmm. Maybe in, in number five, we get Borg. Why not? Yeah. Because something, this is different. Maybe they encounter them in a different way. I would love to see what J.J. Abrams or Bad Robot or these guys. I, know Jay, I don't think J.J. is directing any of them after No, this. not so that he won't be and, able yeah, to. I'm calling him J.J. like I know him. J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, you know, J.J., my old buddy. Um, yeah, J.J. He's but, not uh, doing the next one, but there's nothing to say he won't do the one after that. Oh, true. He's but even then, he's Wars still going to be. This is still hit this universe. It'll be a bad that robot that thing. Oh, yeah. It will definitely, he would definitely have his fingerprints I would love it. to see what their take on the Borg would be. You know, or, or things that that because well, there's like if Kirk their never met the Borg. The Borg. Is, Why not? What would that be like? There's a, there's so it, much opportunity here, even you know, just to reimagine what we've seen. You guys keep talking about you know the Borg, the Klingon, uh, you know any one number of the aliens that they run into. But I think what would be really fun with this cast would be one of the omnipotent guys, the, the Cloud or a Q or something. That I want stick and ball. Or, I want, or even stick and ball. I want pack leads. I want to see Chris <laughs> P- Chris Pine say, strong. "Excuse me, what does God, God need with the starship?" Star star yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I'm I'm intrigued. But you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care. What I, I'm I'm in for the next movie. Yeah. Well, so at I, the end I, of the day, I, I am too. Yeah. This it doesn't really matter. I I, they don't have to meet my expectations of what the next fucking movie should be. I uh, expect to be consulted. <laughs> <laughs> I have a well, list that, prepared. Like, like you say about the, the Borg, I mean, they've managed to make the Romulans terrifying and Khan absolutely terrifying, so God knows what the yeah. Borg would like in the hands of these, you know, the creative team that are behind this movie. But, so, yeah, you know, was... like, like Damon says, I mean, you, you, could, you could do... I think they could take anything. I, could, I imagine that they could probably take the pack leads and turn them into a viable <laughs> villain for the next movie if they really wanted to. Yeah. You know? Tear them apart, put them back together, turn them into something that's not that's pack led ish, but not quite pack leds, and they'd probably get a, a really good movie. Actually, out of it. you I don't know, think they could save Insurrection though. I don't think they no, could remake. No, that nothing. Could no, but in, Insurrection's just a broken movie. It's not necessarily, you know, it's it's not the fact that it's a bad Star Trek movie. It's a bad broken movie from start to finish. Does it just happens to have Picard in it? Uh, you well, know, you know, at the end of the day, I guess the only thing I want to say, my last thing to say about this movie is. Watching it here with you guys now, I'm amazed that again, well over two hours fucking flew by. Oh. Uh, I, I am just amazed by how well this movie moves, how different it is in structure and tone from every other Star Trek film I've seen, and yet still quintessentially very much a follow up to The Last Picture. The best thing I can say about this movie, when I walked out of Star Trek, the reboot in 2009, I was like, I cannot wait for the next one. This was the next one I wanted. In whatever broad terms that was, this was the next thing I wanted. They gave me more of what I wanted, which was whatever it was. It's just that feeling they established, they've given me and they've and they they took it up a notch. I give these guys full credit. I think this is a fantastic movie. I think it's a great Star Trek movie. And I think independent of that, I think it's an extremely well made, very well done film just in its own right. And I, I I'm I, I just, there's nothing more I can say. I think it's a fantastic flick. Ball sack. 
I, 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 agree. <laughs> I agree with everything up to the ball sack. It's it's it's, it's absolute. It's pure Star Trek compressed down to two hours. Uh, you know, I, I, I you could more, you, I could make an argument that you don't need to see anything else to understand the essence of what Star Trek is, other than to watch this movie. Well, this is one of those uh, few rare instances especially nowadays where you don't have to have seen the original movie to watch this movie it's well, you, you don't have yeah you don't have to have watched anything you don't even have to have watched you don't even need to like science fiction i mean it's certainly i think it certainly movie. helps to have seen the previous film but no you can come into this pretty much blind uh yeah. you know you'll pick it up pretty easy it won't have maybe some of the same resonance in some areas but you still i mean again the movie is just too well constructed well, I mean, it'd be it'd be like be like starting watching a series on television, episode two. You yeah. haven't got all of the answers, but you you can get an idea of what's going on fairly quickly. God, I love this movie. It, it, and, it, and it's one of those things where I, I want to write off Star Trek. I'm like, ah, fuck you, Star Trek, because your fans are assholes. Because they are <laughs> assholes. All of us Star Trek fans are assholes. And then I watch the content that they give us, and I go, oh yeah, that's right. There's a we reason have it I like so it. good right now. We oh. really do. We have it so fucking nope. good right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, 2014 is going to be the year of the job. The geeks are are are, are the, the, the our time in the sun is over. I, I'm not even kidding. I, I I'm hearing more and more people talk about the backlash against things like Star Trek, uh, Superman, and, and going. You know that that just turns me off to your your whole genre in general. Fuck you, you yeah. fucking hipster geeks. And that's what this is yeah. doing. And it's like, oh, okay, you guys, are, we're going back in the shadows soon. Uh, I actually liked it better. Though. These people will eat each other. Yeah. I don't know if I liked it better then. I liked it right right before, like when it wasn't in the shadows, when you could say, hey, I like comic books, I like Star Trek, and people were like, oh, okay. Like there was no, there was no, there was no. Eh, you like comic books, you like Star Trek, but there was also no. Oh, I like comic books, and I like Star Trek too because I like blah blah blah. Like oh, oh fuck, what, what? No, no, you don't like those things. You like them because the rest of society tells you you're supposed to like them. But uh, yeah, I, I I hope we go back to just before people beat you up for what you liked. <laughs> I never got beaten up. We 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 all have that dream. Yeah. Did they take out the nine eleven thing? Looks like it. Uh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Wow. They took out the 9 Oh, there thing. it is. No, oh, there it there is. There you go. Oh, yep. There we go. I thought it was much sooner. I thought they bit it right after the movie was over. I they did. One of the. But oh well. Well, at least it's still in there. I guess they made this. Privacy is not a victimless crime. You'll, you'll be pleased to know. You'll be pleased to know that I'm now reading the cast in Spanish. So am I. That's yeah, so me wild. too. Actually, that was weird. Reparto Castro, James Akurko. What the fuck? Well, that's not. the Spanish voices. That's kind of it's wild. I've never seen that before. Well, that was uh, that was and, great. And didn't there also seem to be just kind of a, a weird uh, personal attack on on uh, Kurtzman and Orsi? Yeah, you know, and Lindelof. From very early on, uh, yeah. there seemed to be a lot of people who just don't seem to like Fuck them. Fuck those guys. Yeah. You know, uh, Orsi's on, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Mission Log. Uh, uh, Mission, Mission Log. Yeah, there, yeah it, I, it, I thought is, he was great. I, I want to listen to it. I haven't listened to it yet because I know how much uh, 
John didn't like the movie. Like, right. oh, it's not Star Trek. But so, if you listen to it, actually, and you know, it's funny. I actually got a great deal of respect because there's even things like he actually, I guess, did say outside the interview that he thought that the, uh, you know, the the whole thing of Izzy Khan or not Khan backfired. That that was mm-hmm. not the reaction that they were expecting, or the certainly reaction they were wanting. They hoped people would sort of play along more, and even does say that a lot of the things on there that people reacted negatively to, they did not calculate that that's what would happen. They just kind of expected a different reaction from people. Most of what he said is actually pretty, uh, pretty fair, and 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 you know there is kind of like a he he does cop to if we were making a movie just for me as a Star Trek fan, as he said, uh, it would be a different thing, but that's not what they're there to do. They're there. And to that would make $20 million to a new, and, to a new audience and, and kill yeah, the franchise. Be, right, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it would kill the franchise. I mean, it would certainly, no, it would be just make it different. a smaller franchise. Right. That's all. Yeah. And then Paramount clearly wants this to be, uh, on the level of Avengers or some of the other yeah, things. Which so is fine. I guess yeah. that a lot of I mean, people do have a problem with that. Like they want Star Trek to be their own private thing that's just certain scale. And then maybe people are afraid. So I don't want this to turn to Transformers. It's like, it's not going to turn into Transformers. Well, Transformers was already Transformers before right. anybody went and saw the movie. Right. It was I mean, always I mean, going to be that sort of level. But, I mean, it, this movie doesn't, you know, if the movies hadn't made a huge amount of money, it gets pushed back to being a television show that has to generate its own revenue through advertising and doesn't and dies after a season. Because, you know, it just, it's, it's one of those things. It, well, it, needed, it needed these movies to at least get oh, yeah. the fire started again. And I get, I get people who really enjoy the, the, the episodic nature of Star Trek or shows like The Inner Light or that aspect of Star Trek or who, who don't want the big action movies and are disappointed that the movies are more action-based. And that really came to life very much with the Next Gen films. It's like you go watching Next Generation, the series, all of a sudden Picard's running around shooting and kicking people in the face and doing, it's like, what the fuck? I get that. I get that maybe it's like, well, that's not, then just admit that the movies aren't your thing and just Move watch on. the show. Yeah, well, do I something mean, else. One of, what's interesting is, is the most recent kind of flare-up was all kicked off by the uh, that Trek web uh, editorial that said Star Trek is broken. But mm-hmm. and, and I disagree with that. But then what its conclusion was is something that I agree with very much is that I, I mean, and I totally think Star Trek, I enjoy Star Trek as a TV show better than Star Trek as a movie because Star Trek as a movie, all of them, except for the first one, which everybody, you know, seemed to hate, has had, I mean, has had to kind of make it into a different thing. It's not episodic. You're not going to get the same kind of character arcs. You're not going to get... I mean, the, well, that's the, the reason, difference between movies and television. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so their conclusion that Star Trek works better on TV, I completely agree with. I would hope that this somehow leads to more Star Trek on TV. And well, I, think, I think it will eventually. And, sure. and actually, b- before this, I don't know if you guys ever read it, but uh, you know, when after Enterprise died, uh, they Paramount did not know what they wanted to do with Star Trek. They they see they w- were kind of keen on the idea of rebooting but it wasn't necessarily a movie and have you ever read uh, J. Michael Straczynski's Star Trek pitch? No I haven't. He actually did pitch a series uh, that was that was a reboot 
that was structurally, I mean, it had Kirk and Spock and, and all of that. I mean, and, and it would have been very similar to this. It was different. There was no connection to the old timeline. It wasn't like an alter timeline. It was just like Battlestar Galactica. It's a fresh start. And you can see a lot of elements of Galactica and Babylon 5 and things like that in his pitch. Uh, and I think it actually sounded, you know, pretty interesting. But, you know, ultimately, Paramount makes the choice here just like they did when they transformed Star Trek Phase 2 into Star Trek The Motion Picture, that they want a motion picture franchise. If Paramount right. had a shitload of, of big franchises right now, I think we would have much more been been likely to see a Star Trek on on television or a Star Trek as an experiment in, in another medium. But, the you know, and, and a lot of people don't like that. They don't like the fact that ultimately the decisions about this thing that they love are being made uh, primarily on a financial basis. But that's, you know, that's the reality of it. And yeah. I don't think you should hold it against the movie. No. You know? If Paramount if Paramount was churning out Harry Potter movies at the time that they were going to be rebooting yeah. Star Trek, they, they wouldn't have rebooted Star Trek in this manner because they'd be churning out Harry Potter movies. You know, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just, have a similar I, thing with Batman. I think Batman, I would prefer seeing Batman movies that are smaller, that are more Batman solving crimes, that are more detective movie based instead of big kind of sprawling tentpole movies. But Warner, that's what Warner's wants out of the character. And, and you know, that's that's what we're going to get. I mean, I just wish people were capable. I just wish people were capable of taking things as they are. Right. And, and and judging them on their own merits and their own successes and failures rather than, again, like I said, I don't, I get it. I understand you want, when you love something, you want it to be like that all the time. And you're not, but you're, and there's a general unwillingness to accept it in any other form. That's not what I love. That's different than what I would have done. That's, you know, I understand that emotion. I think we all have that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's gonna. It. I think maybe maybe it, I would have felt differently twenty years ago, but now at this age in my life, I'm more willing to accept things on it that are different. Just because I've seen so many different things, I don't. I don't feel the need that things have to be this way all the time because that gets boring after a while. I like it when I see an exciting filmmaker like J.J. Abrams take on something like Star Trek and do something really different with it and exciting, because. It doesn't diminish. If I want to watch the old series, I'll go back and watch it. If I want the old thing that I loved, I, I can go back and see that. There's a lot of that, and I, I just, if you don't like Into Darkness for the reasons that are inherent in its own production, like I said, whether you just don't like action films or you felt that the action overwhelmed the plot, you didn't buy this or that. Okay, fine. I, I just, um, I'm just so damn tired of our of our kind beating up on something for reasons that do n have nothing to do with the end product they got. The the one thing that, that I, I find particularly frustrating about people that, that, you know, uh, criticize this movie to the point of, of going onto the internet and saying that no one should watch it because it's the worst Star Trek movie ever is. It's like, what, why, why are you championing the the fact that you know it's a terrible movie i don't understand why it's it's somebody's you know um 
somebody's made it their mission in life to make sure that no one else likes this movie. Listen to them, just, you know. Yeah, just just move on. Just say, okay, I, I didn't for some reason I didn't connect with it. If you enjoy it, carry on. You know, if someone if someone came up to me and said, you know, I I, I really enjoyed the Howard the Duck movie, I wouldn't spend you know a day and a half trying to persuade them that it wasn't actually that good a movie. I just well, go, I would probably okay, spend about a half day. Yeah, but you know, you 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 wouldn't bother. It wouldn't be worth your time to explain yeah. to somebody why a movie is bad. I don't see why people have to try and persuade me that I'm wrong well, in liking this movie. My my favorite part about that is it's only in geek culture. Because yeah. look at Rotten Tomatoes. It was critically probably the best reviewed movie of the summer. But it's, no, no, it's, I'm not I even talking about it, that. I think I'm, it's in the top ten of all time. But in the critically rated, you know, in on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's crazy. You don't hear anybody talking about uh Forrest Whitaker's performance as the butler. Like I, I, I'm, 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 and I mean, that's, in that's the not true. in the bad way. No, because we you yeah. get the exact same thing when people who are a fan of the book or the play or the whatever. Yeah, I when guess it gets you do. translated. So that yeah, when there's nothing to compare it to, but that's and you know, it, it, what's funny and this this is I think kind of to me where where things have have, have kind of gone wrong in in geek culture in our culture in general. And, 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 you know, the funny thing is we're kind of guilty of, of sort of the reverse of it here is I think a lot of the Star Trek is not what certain people want out of a Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. There's a lot of movies that aren't what I want out of whatever type of movie it is. Um, the, the thing is that it almost it almost feels like they take it personally. Yeah, it's like an attack on their but then childhood, what's weird, their though, and, and And we've actually kind of done done that here too is then their attacks we somehow kind of take a little personally mm-hmm. that it's like there's some there they feel like well everybody loved this movie but them so maybe they're getting defensive about it then we get defensive about it and and all of this stuff is happening kind of independent of the movie because we're all getting kind of so wrapped up in just our take on it and other people whether they recognize our take and is our take valid is their take valid and none of this has anything to do with the movie it has to do with with Emotion. Our ability to express yeah. our opinions and, and whose opinion is being expressed more and why why do we even care that people are bashing the movie? You know what I think we need to do? I think it's very clear. We need to have a geek rumble. <laughs> we need to all meet at some parking lot. So we just get on the internet. So every all geeks meet at the parking lot behind the Costco in uh, you know, Toledo and we're gonna hash this shit out once and for all. Well, and I think and, and just just keep in mind, I am I am completely aware of the irony of me saying this as we are doing a podcast on the internet that <laughs> nobody asked us to do right? that yeah. the internet, because it is this medium where everybody can get their opinion out there, whether anybody wants it or not, that our opinions <laughs> on things have almost become more important than the things themselves. Yeah. I mean, as, yeah, as you're right. Because here I am criticizing people right. who criticize and shit. And just the other day, I posted something about how much I didn't like Abraham Lincoln for the for, for vampire hunter thing. Yeah. So it's like, and look oh, at how right. many people I love that movie. It's like, and I and I was like, okay, good for you. Fuck you. I don't care. And but it is. I mean, part of like, I, and this thing is weird. Every Kathy liked Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, Fine. We all that have, doesn't we bother all me. Different, we all have different opinions about it. But Not a personal if, attack on my dislike for but it. But if Star, if Star Trek Insurrection had been hugely popular 
and then all of a sudden every Star Trek movie was going to follow that format, we would be upset about that. Uh, yeah, it'd be terrifying. Because it wouldn't it, be our Star Trek. I think what it, what it actually comes down to is if you don't have something nice to say, don't Shut say anything. Up, yeah. Don't say anything at all. I mean, and, 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 and I'm not saying you can't be critical. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, hey, you know, it wasn't for me. And, and that, that, the, unless that, somebody that, asks you your full in-depth opinion about something, that's actually probably what we should start doing. <laughs> that, that's the thing that frustrates me. On a show where all we do is else. talk about what we like and don't like. And that's why we're stopping the show. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, that frust- the thing that frustrates me is, is people that will not stop. Even now, I can go onto Twitter and it, within a couple of seconds, I can find people that like JJ ruined Star Trek. Immediately, you know, it's like, let it go. You've got, you know, however many thousands of hours of the Star Trek that you love and hold dear to watch. Let other people have this other thing. You know, it's not your Star Trek. It's better. Let it go. Yeah. And you know what? I was just thinking, it's not the same what I posted about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. All I did was say I just thought the movie was surprisingly boring for what it was. I didn't say, this isn't my Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> what, what would your Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter I don't know. I, God, why would I have a version? I don't. I just went in to see a movie that I was hoping was fun and exciting. And, uh, you know, it had, was a diversion piece of entertainment that had Abraham Lincoln killing some vampires. Well, it had that, but the movie was boring as hell for me. Well, yeah. That's See, all but, I thought. No, no, you're wrong there, because fun and exciting isn't Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. That's where you're making the mistake. It can't be fun and exciting because it needs to be cerebral and, and dark. And Abraham well, I just, Lincoln. I, still, Abraham I just still thought no, it was funny. I, Spiel, Spielberg's Lincoln was more thrilling and exciting than the one with the vampires see, in it. Somebody That's, actually described kind of my my thoughts on it and hopes on it in response to you, Michael, is that they were hoping it would just be like I, I never read the book. So mm-hmm. I'm not looking for dark and interesting and cerebral. The right. guy said he wanted a fun B movie with Abraham Lincoln beating the shit out of a bunch of vampires. Yeah. And I got it's not that. So, yeah, and it just it just was kind of boring and plotting and, and it was I was hoping for a fun bad movie. Yeah. And I got a non fun bad movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's like So great. I had lowered expectations. Yeah, I didn't have the high. I thought people were that. like, Oh, get over it, people. It's not fucking Citizen Kane. It's Abraham Lincoln killing vampires. It doesn't have to be brilliant. At least so I when I was hearing the bad reactions, I was like, These people are are whiny bitches and I saw it and went, Nope, they were right. This one no, time right. if, if your the internet was completely were, white. Were, we're only as high as it's Abraham kill, Abraham Lincoln killing vampires, and it didn't meet those expectations. Yeah, yeah that's bad. There's a, no, that's, there's a that's, hole in the movie. Oh so. wait, yeah, well, it goes you back to Punisher Abraham War Zone. Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and it doesn't it doesn't fulfill the entertainment value of Abraham Lincoln killing vampires. You 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 haven't done your job as a well. Movie it's maker. just like Alien versus Predator. All they had to do was have aliens <laughs> killing predators, and they, didn't and they do fucked it, it up didn't twice. Do it, no. And then you had a- Alien versus Predator Two, which had a pred alien killing. Aliens and it was like all confusing now because there's a predalien in there and I don't know what's going on. But hang yeah, on for just we a second, guys. Huh? Just one second. Uh, thanks for listening to the commentary. Oh yeah, have a good one. Oh, we're still this is still part of the episode. I know. I'm just saying. I I, I just wanted to put an end in there somewhere. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. We tend to ramble. Yeah. I don't. You're British. Oh. That's all you do. You, you don't. You don't ramble. No, but it's you just sound much better doing it. Yeah, you do. I, I, I warble. It's different. Yeah, yeah, I 
I have had a hard time. Like I even went back and started looking at specific criticisms of the movie. And I mean, there are, there are weird plot holes. There was one weird criticism that it's one of those things where it's such a minor thing, but it actually is kind of oddly like they, they, they somehow latched onto a weird thing, but they said that the movie basically destroyed Star Trek because it introduced the idea that you can teleport between planets. So why do they need ships anymore? And I was like, that is such a bizarre way to look at the movie, but he's got an interesting point. Although, he's got an interesting point, but that's such a minor thing. I mean, my God. Wait, but, it is, wait. but it is kind of like, wait a minute. That's right. That's that's yeah, revolutionary but, but you, technology you that's completely blown over in this movie. You can't teleport well, my... to somewhere where you don't know where it is. True. But it's well, still, it, 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 that technology with, would radically alter. And that's like, they're not going to reference that just like they're not going to reference. Well, I'm betting. The cons, uh, blood thing. Yeah, it's just oh, like well, oh, and, we're gonna ignore. It. I mean, just like of, after Star Trek two, they don't or they don't really. Uh, after three, they don't really talk about the fact that hey, we can just remake a planet at will now. But yeah, they never uh, go they, back they never, to that shit they never, again. They never talk about the fact that they could just spin around the sun a few times and go back in time yes. and fix any problems that they yeah, made. So, I mean, yeah, again, if you're gonna I, it's I, not, wait, I can not. I can blow that uh, that that uh, that that statement completely apart because that is Scotty's transwarp uh, theorem. From Star Trek Five, Six, somewhere else. It's it's from the original series, so it's the original series it's not stuff. The original series. Oh, I mean, it wasn't it in the original no, movie. Spock, Spock gives it. No, they can't do that. And, and they, they no, they did. They, I'm no. sure that there's some point they do it. Transport mentions, to, from the uh, no, but but Federation it's it's to, to Earth it's to Kronos? The, no, no, they don't Stop. transport, but the theory comes from Scotty in the original series stuff. Suddenly, not caring when. It, it, that's what Spock says to uh, to him when he gives it to him uh, in the first movie. That he invented he, it. He's like, you were going to invent this anyway. Here's this theory. Yeah, but see, I don't think he ever invented it. I think that's the how, I think that's the uh, transparent aluminum paradox. How do you know he didn't invent it? Are you sure? Yeah, because they never transported that kind of distance at any time in Star Trek. Didn't it transport long distance? Don't really care. Never, yeah, the I only time that that happened was there was something called. Uh, subspace transporting that happened on Next Gen that is very dangerous and volatile and stuff like that. But yeah, they don't transport between planets. But no, no, never, ships no. planets. You're right. It's never between planets, but is it? does it come from relics? I think that's no. where it comes no. from. It doesn't because come from anywhere. No, that wasn't, no, that wasn't anywhere. Because that was when, they, when they do it on Next Generation, it's before relics because the Ferengi do it. No, I mean, Relics is the one where Scotty comes back because he's been stuck in a transporter for 80 years, and he's right. been stuck in a transporter for 80 years because of his transporter skills. See, this is right, what but I was he just, the he just wrapped it in, in the buffer. <laughs> there was no new. <laughs> no, new that's not how that was in that episode. I believe you're referring to the other episode. <laughs> hey, but just because so... we know Star Trek better than you, bitch, you're not a real no, Star Trek fan. No, you don't know Star Trek better than me. You're not a real Star Trek fan. Oh, you don't okay, have a uniform. Well, Fuck you. I, I actually have a uniform. I of course, I you wasn't accusing you. Wore the goddamn thing for a job. We know this. I I haven't got a uniform, but I've got a Star Trek podcast. Does that count? <laughs> You're still on yeah. that thing. Yeah. It didn't I'm die. Gonna, I'm no, it's still alive. I got a bunch of phasers. <laughs> I have you. no phasers. Okay. Yeah. You saying I have a uniform and a bunch of phasers? That uh, oh, congratulations! You won the argument, but you lost the cool vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I have any any interest in the cool vote? I gave up on that. Yeah, you've made that ago. clear. <laughs> Come on, 
Hello, We've have we met? I'm tired. I'm hungry. And I, I created I a podcast play Star where we Wars. argue about shit every week and did it for three years. Three and a half. Three and a half. Uh, three so that, I wear that this loser badge proudly. <laughs>